Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Everybody and welcome to the Mojo Sports Show. I'm your host, Mr. Mojo, taking you through the world of sports. The Mojo Sports Show is brought to you by Bay Ragney and Totally Driven Entertainment, dedicated in bringing you total entertainment. Busy and a great show planned for today. We got a lot going on. Obviously, we got the Yankees and Indians series, which tough loss for the Yankees last night after having an 8-3 lead. A lot to talk about about that game. We're going to actually start the show with baseball today. So we're going to do baseball to start the show for the first half hour or so. And then we'll get more into it later in the show. But for the first half hour, we're going to do baseball. Then we got 1030. We got PDV calling in to do football. We're going to do the picks for the week. Go through all the games for week five. It's week five already. Time flies. Football season always goes fast. And we're already in week five of the NFL. So we're going to go through that. And then around 1130, 1145, Bernie Nichols will be joining us to do our NHL season preview, so I'm looking forward to that. Mr. Berg is going to call in, possibly Gene Cherry as well. So we're going to have the hockey panel in with Bernie Nichols today. That'll be a lot of fun as we uh, as hockey has the puck has dropped in another hockey season. So we're going to go through all that with Bernie Nichols later. I'm looking forward to that and uh, a busy show. So we're going to have to squeeze this all in, and uh, we got a lot going on. But we are going to start off today with the Yankees. And Indians and crazy, just a crazy game last night. And let me tell you, it's a tough loss for the Yankees. It's probably one I don't know if they can recover from. I mean, obviously, it was going to be a tough series anyway. The Indians, probably the best team in the league right now. But, I mean, the game last night, the Yankees felt they probably could have had a base three. And then Girardi, failure to challenge a call, which clearly hit the bat on the pitch to Chisholm Hall, and he didn't challenge it, loaded the bases. The next batter, Lindor, hits a grand slam, and now they're right back in the game at 8-7. And then, obviously, off Chad Green, and then, obviously, Bruce hits the tying home run off of Robinson, and then he ends up going 13 innings, and Jan Gomes walks it off against the Tantas. But it was uh, a crazy game, to say at least the Yankees. Listen, they came out, they bombed Kluba, which nobody thought they were going to do. Six runs in two and two-thirds innings for Kluba. Eight, seven hits, one walk on four strikeouts with a two-home run. So they figured one game to nothing, Kluber on the mound. Everybody figured Cleveland, you know, Kluber's going to come out there to dominate. And sure enough, the Yankees got to him. Sanchez hit the home run in the first inning off of him. Six hit the big three-run homer. 
And here we go. The Yankees out to an 8-3 lead, and then all of a sudden, a lot happened. Now, listen, nobody's saying a rally still couldn't have happened, but 8-3, to that's the game right there. With that hit, that ball hits the bat, it, you know, gives them opportunity with the bases loaded. And then, obviously, Lindor, who's just a, becoming a clutch, clutch player, grand slam, and, and all of a sudden, it's an 8-7 game, and it's a whole new game. And then Jay Bruce, I mean, they should be thanking the Mets or – uh, you know, maybe the Yankees probably should have paid him the, the money he wanted, you know, for the rest of the contract that the Mets wanted because the Yankees didn't want to pick up the full contract. That's the only reason the Yankees didn't get him. And he's been unbelievable for Cleveland. So, hey, the Yankees had this game. I mean, a lot of it's going to be on Girardi. Obviously, Girardi should have, Girardi should have uh, challenged the call. It was a bad move by Girardi not challenging. And it, it came back to bite them for sure. So. We're gonna we're gonna get into this game. We're gonna get to the first. I mean, obviously, game one was not even a game. Uh, Trevor Bauer was just dominant in that game. The Yankees never really had a chance. Sonny Gray wasn't getting look good. But the Yankees really never had a chance in game one. Game two was a game they're gonna they're gonna it's gonna sting for a while because it was a game they should have had up eight to three, and it just that one play kind of turned the whole game around and gave them a chance. And Girardi not challenging. I just don't get why he wasn't challenging. Such a big part in the game. He was saying, I heard something today that he said that he didn't want to throw his pitch's rhythm off. I mean, that's ridiculous. The pitch's rhythm ain't off. You challenge it, that the whole the whole thing changes. You gave them a chance to tie the game there. I mean, to get it within a run, you put the bases loaded, and Lindo hits the clutch home run, and Green clearly didn't have it either. So, you know, I, I don't know kind of shocking that he didn't challenge that call, but I definitely want to hear from some Yankee fans. 718-508-9883 is the number to call. We're going to start off. Christine, what's going on? How you doing? I'm heartbroken. I'm sure you're, you're upset about that game. What a tough loss last night. That was, uh, that was just, I couldn't even watch it. I just, when they got the grand slam, when he hit the grand slam, I knew that the game was over. I just knew it. Then when it was going into not for nothing though, I got to give props to Chapman and Batanzas. All right, Batanzas came up. But let me tell you something. They both came out with fire. They were they were thrown hard. Okay, Batanzas came up, but he don't forget he also pitched what two in it two innings, two yeah. and a quarter innings. So you know. All these guys got pushed. Yeah, all these guys got pushed to extra innings. Yeah, and, and you know it, they, that should, that, that play when he didn't challenge them. that play was the whole game. Right, and this is what I say. I've been saying it for a year now since last season. Gerard, they need to get someone else. Honestly, I feel like Gerardi's time is done. He makes he he makes sometimes he makes the stupid. This is a big game. You should be out there. You should be challenging. You should be. I just I don't understand, and I don't understand why he would leave Chad Green in to give up a freaking grand slam. I don't I don't understand him. I don't understand him. He makes the stupidest calls. He calls them half their game. And these guys like Green Robinson, they're very overused right now. I mean, Robinson threw up fifty pitches tonight against Minnesota. I mean, right. and the, now these, these pitches are overused right now. Now you got to tie it open going into tomorrow's game as well. So they're going to need a lot of innings out of Tanaka tomorrow for sure. 
you know what? I think they get they have a new team. I think they should start with the new manager too. I think they should get rid of Girardi. I'm not I'm not saying it's all Girardi's fault, but they were hitting. Come on, y'all eight runs, okay? They were hitting. The pitching was, you know, other than Chad Green giving up a grand slam, their pitching was okay, you know. Their pitching was doing what they had to do. I feel like Girardi just makes the worst calls, you know. Okay, they, they, they couldn't get a hit, you know, to win the game. but They had chances. They had guys on. But that, like you said, that call, not challenging that, was the uh, – was the game changer? That was it. Well, it allowed, it allowed for the grand slam to get them right back in the game. I mean, it made no no sense not to challenge that call at all. It really did. It it was uh, you know you know now a lot of people said Chisholm might have been out on that play that he caught, but uh, you know by the rules he wouldn't he wouldn't have been out on the foul tip. He still would have been up even though Sanchez caught that that ball. By the rule book, it says. If the ball lands fair, if it should replay, and they take it in a replay, you can't call them out. That's, you know, the rule would have just been a foul ball because of an instant replay, just by the rule. Uh-huh. And the rule Even ball. though he caught but, it? But still, because it's a review. It wasn't well, a stupid rule. But even that, it still would have been only second and third. You know, it still would have been only second and third, two out. It, w- it still wouldn't have been... Right. You know, bases loaded with with Lindor up. He's Chisenhall still would have been up, so he's you know he still could have got Chisenhall out, and Lindor would have never even got up with the bases loaded. So it was clearly a big part of the game right there, and, and obviously that ended up hurting them. And then then Bruce targeted the game with the homer, and then Bruce is a Yankee killer. He's been like a big daddy. He's been killing the Yankees. And the amazing part of it is the Yankees could have had him, and they didn't get him because of money. And you never would have thought with the Yankees if it came down to money, and it came down to money, but they didn't want to pay it and, you know, in the trade. They didn't want to pay the full contract, and that's why the Yankees didn't get him. You know, yeah, well, all of a sudden the Yankees are worried about money. Well, whatever. But, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, they should have got him. They didn't, but he's been a Yankee killer, but... It's just very sad to see. So now you hope for next year because I know they're not going to come back. And if they came back and won the next three, I'd be very surprised. They may yeah, win well, the next game. That's asking a lot, especially seeing that this team has won something like 38 of their last 42 games. They only lost four in their last 42. To beat them three in a row is probably going to be almost you know, impossible, but hey, yeah, you never know what's going to happen when they play the game. Yeah, I mean, they just on an insane run. I mean, and listen, they they could win it all, the Indians. I mean, they're that good of a team right now. They could win the whole thing. I mean, you know, not many teams come back from an 8-3 deficit like they did last night. So, yeah. especially against that Yankee bullpen, you know? So, We'll see. You got Tanaka. You got Tanaka tomorrow night against Carrasco. So the Yankees got to try to get a, get back home, get some home cooking, and hopefully, uh, you know, get an early lead and and to ride some momentum. And, then, and also, and also Boston. Boston's down two and um zero and two also. Yeah, well, Houston's taking it to Boston too. That's well, you know, Houston, but like, but like the like the, you know, like the Indians. I mean, over the you know, we're favorite over the Yankees. Houston's favorite over Boston. You know. Houston was the better team all year than Boston. 
So, you know, Houston's got some line on I mean, Houston's team is that, too, some roster. You know, between Altuve's going crazy. Correa, I mean, they got they got some sick bats, Houston. So, you know, most people predicted Houston versus Cleveland, you know, both to advance here. So, but we'll see. You still got to play the games, but both teams are down 2 nothing. So, they're going to need uh, Yankees and Red Sox coming home. They're both going home, so they're both going to need to do, you know, some momentum. Yeah, we'll see. I just feel like after that loss, I don't know if they could come back or not. I just feel like they're just, it just took the air out of everything they had. Honestly. Uh, I mean, I, listen, I, a lot of Yankees fans are upset today. But you know what? Yankee fans got to also realize, listen, they're ahead of the curve. Nobody expected them to even be in the playoffs this year. Obviously, when you get there, you still want to win. But, you know, nobody really expected them to be here. So, you know, even if they lose tomorrow, they still had a, a successful season this year, the Yankees. Yeah, but, you know, as a fan, I don't want to hear that. They're in it. I want them to win it, you know. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. But, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. It's sad, though. Hey, got to keep battling. Yeah. You know, the Indians are a good team. You, you, told, you know, you said a good team. And the, they won the World Series last year. You know, they had the best, you know, 22-game winning streak this year. They're, they're playing, you know, good baseball. It's going to be a tough team. It's a tough team to beat for anybody. You know, especially yeah. a young team like the Yankees, you know. But, you know, got to take one game at a time now. Yeah, I guess. Since we'll see. But with the bullpen tired and all that, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to watch and see. They could have went in one and one and maybe even won it at Yankee Stadium, but Hey, you gotta like I said, take one game at a time. You know, the Indians are the type of team that could do these type of things. They're not gonna lay down that you know, they're a good team, you know. Mhm. And, and and when they catch a break like they caught a break yesterday with that with the ball hitting the bat, they're the type of team that makes you pay for it and they showed it. Yeah, the next batter hits a grand slam. I mean, that just shows you what that team's made of to the Indians. But Girardi Girardi should have done his job, too. That's all I have to say. Girardi should have done his job. No, he missed. He dropped the ball there. He should have definitely challenged that play. But we'll just see what happens tomorrow and, and hope for the best. That's all you can do. Yep. You know, the baseball playoffs especially, every game takes on a life of its own. So you just need to look at one game at a time now and hope to, you know, take the next game. Well, Tanaka will be pitching next, right? Yeah. And then they have what, Sonny Gray coming in to pitch? Not for darn, CC did a good job yesterday. No, Severino will be game four. Oh, okay. You figure he'll bounce back from his bed. CC really pitched good yesterday. CC, he did. In my opinion, he just he pitched good. CC, he pitched good, and I have to give it to Chapman and Batanzas because they both pitched good. Even though Batanzas gave up, you know, the winning run, he was in there also for three. That was his third inning pitching. Yeah, no. You know, he, he, so he was, yeah. he was, he came out the first two innings. They, he was throwing them right past them. 
You know, what do you strike hey, out three or four? Playoff on pitches them? are going to get stretched out in the playoffs. That's for sure. And Cody Allen pitched two, you know, for the Indians too. You know, short through two and two thirds. Relief pitches get stretched out in, in these games. It's, it's crazy, especially when you start in pitching. Don't go deep into the game. Your relief pitches are going to get a lot of work. Yeah. But. But well, what did they took CCL. They took CCL one. He hasn't been able. He hasn't been more than a five six inning pitcher this year. He, he, this ain't the Sabathia of old. You know, he's not going to pitch seven, eight, nine innings anymore. You know, so I think they got him out at the right time. It just didn't work out. It just didn't. Uh, you know, Green's been good all year for them. You know, I mean, he gave up the grand slam. What are you going to do? You know, there's not much you can do mm-hmm. about it. But like you said, if he would have, um, you know, challenged the foul tip, it might have been a whole different game. Yeah, that that's the whole – that, to me, that is the obvious play of the game, and there's no other way to look at it. And even after that, they still had chances to win, but, you know, that obviously left the Indians back in the game and, you know, turned the whole game around. There's no doubt about it. So. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks. Thank you for calling. Yep, you and have I know a good you're day. Upset. I know you're upset, but don't worry. Just go out there and, and try to get tomorrow's game. That's all you could do. Yeah. We may be going to tomorrow's game. But you have a good day, go. okay? Thank huh? you. You too. Enjoy. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Christine from Pinebush, an upset Yankee fan, obviously. And, uh, you know, listen, it's a tough loss. I know a lot of people point fingers, they're going to point fingers now and they're going to say whose fault it was or this or that. You know, listen, sometimes guys just get clutch hit. I mean, that, that's baseball. We're going to bring in... Hazman, what's going on? Good morning. What's going on? Good morning. How you doing, my man? Okay. Can you hear me clear? Yeah, I hear you. Uh, So, it's been a long time. It's been a while. I mean, I almost couldn't find your song. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's it. I just a couple, a couple of points about baseball. You know, I, I, I watched that game. It was pretty riveting last night. And I'll follow up by saying anybody that's been listening to the, the Mojo show for, you know, I guess close to a year and a half uh, knows I'm, I have no love loss for the Yankees. But I do have to say, it's hard not to. It's hard not to like the Baby Bombers. It's a fun group. They're not that group of the mid '90s that you know either you love or you hate it. Um, you know they, they 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 don't seem so cocky. They just seem like a bunch of young guys that that enjoy playing the game. So it's kind of fun to uh, fun to watch them. Not that I like the Yankees, but it is fun to watch them. And my only question or comment. 
Do you think that, that, that pitch that hit the pad, hit the hands, whatever, that there was enough evidence to overturn it? Because I didn't see it that way. Yeah, no, I was watching the replays, and it did hit the bat. It's, it's, you can see it. It hit the bat. It hit the bottom of the bottom of the, the bat. So, so do you think if he would have challenged it, they would have definitively overturned it? Because sometimes they, yeah. they don't. No, they would have overturned that. Now, again, I just told you, the, I was just talking about the rule. You can't, you can't, uh, that wouldn't have been an out, though, because by replay you can't make, you can't turn that into an out on the replay. So you really so don't it would have really been a foul know. ball. The bat, the bat would have continued. It would have been a foul ball. Yeah, so you don't know what would have happened. I, I thought the biggest play of the game, and, and I tell you, was that 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 fourth stealing at second base or the pickoff at second base. I thought that was a tremendous momentum change, and I thought the Yankees had a great, a really solid opportunity to put some runs on the board. I was I was shocked actually. Yeah, that was a huge blab, and you can't get – you're pinch runner, too. I mean, you can't come in there and get picked off the second base. The winning – the go-ahead run, I mean, that's just – that was just un, unbelievable. Well, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't let that happen. And all the Mets fans out there, wouldn't it be nice to have a catcher that has a gun like that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. From the knees. Yeah, well, that – On target, and the, the, and, and, and the guy who applied the tag, what a way to block the, the base. You know, yeah, well, that's uh, one thing. That's one thing we'll never have. Fraction of an inch. I thought it was. I thought it was incredible. But you know, the Yankee fans should understand too. This Indian team, and, and I don't watch the American League, so a little tough for me to comment on it. The American League. I mean, this Indian team is probably the most complete team I've seen in a very long time. Like, you know, and I know they came back, and the Yankees got a good, very solid team as well. But, gee, they're, they're just tenacious. I mean, they got guys that get in home runs. They got guys that put you know, wood on the ball. They have, they have great relief pitching. They have solid starting pitching. They have guys that can steal. I mean, they have, they, they have a pretty complete team. And, and they definitively, as you said, with that streak, they know how to win. They know how to win. There's nothing else to say about it. They know how to win. Yeah, no, that's, listen, that team, that's the type of team, like you look at, they're never out of the game. They could any time they could come, you know, any time, eight to three, you know, they get a little break like that foul tip. Next time it's a grand slam, all of a sudden the whole game's turned around. And Jay, our man Jay Bruce, it's a solo home of the tie. Like, how about Jay Bruce? But that deal's been done for the Indians, right? Well, I also have to say, I don't know if you remember, but when the Mets first got him, and we thought at the time we were going deep into the playoffs, right? That was our thought. We said, well, he's good in the regular season. But I don't know how old before for the post. Do you remember those conversations? Yeah. He played Cincinnati and Swarmark, and I think the, 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 the thought process about that is done now. We hear big hits in the first game and big hits last, and big home run last night. So, hats off to Jay Bruce. He's doing a phenomenal job. And talk about his season and his life getting turned around from a, from a working standpoint. I mean, he's on a winning ball club headed probably to the World Series. You know, be, being a main um, uh, clog in, 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 you know, in, in the Indians, uh, you know, uh, attack. I mean, can he be any happier? No, he. he I mean, listen, he, he looks ecstatic. He looks the happiest he's ever been right now. Absolutely. You know, and, 
And now, if you look, if you look around, if you look around now too, like you know, obviously Boston lost first two games to Houston. They're down two nothing. Houston looks really strong too. You know, the Nationals lost last night. Strasburg had a no hitter in the sixth inning, and then they still lost. They lost six three nothing to the Cubs, and then uh, the Dodgers won last night nine five. And Kershaw gave up four solo homers in the game. So, but they still won. So you know, it, it's. It's, it's, it's look, the playoffs. Are, you know, it's looking like listen. The Yankees and Boston are both in trouble. They're both down two nothing. They're both playing teams that are better than them. I think it's, you know, tough, it's be... tough when you're playing teams that are better than you. The pitching matchup favors the other team. In the Yankees' case, I think the Indians might have a better bullpen. Um, and, and, and that's not, and that's saying a lot because the Yankees have a great bullpen. You know. Oh well, yeah. They're, they're, but they have a solid goal, but the only thing is, I think Girardi really beats up. The, and, I mean, he he really is asking a lot of those relief pitches in the, in, the, in the playoffs right now. He really seems like he's asking a lot. Yeah, these kids, these kids are being overworked right now. It's, it's I mean, I, you know, I don't know what you're thinking. It's, and, well, it's and, not really Girardi's fault. That's not Girardi's fault. That's starting pitches. I mean, Severino. Didn't last in the in the game against the Twins. Sonny Gray didn't last long in the, in game one. You know, Girardi has no choice. He has to go to the bullpen. He has to. He has no choice. He's not okay. getting any innings out of his starters. Here's a question, though, and I don't know the Yankees, well, probably like you do and a lot of your listeners do, but Chupacantis, Chupacantis should have came out on that mound for that third inning. I didn't think so. I mean, he had a solid the, pro- the problem is, is they used all their top relievers. The only thing they could have did there was gone, most likely gone to a starting pitcher, maybe Severino, but he's set to pitch game four if it goes that far. But maybe Severino you, know, you could have got Cordell, an inning Adams there. You're at an away stadium. You're down one game. It's a, it's, it's, it's a huge momentum changer for this team to come back. You have to do – you have to play this like the seventh game in the World Series. I would have brought somebody else in. He was. He looked physically done. Like his body language, his shoulders were was sagging a bit. He had a, 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 you know, his head was down coming up the mound on that second second inning, which he, he pitched fantastic. I, I don't know. I would have went to somebody else. I, I, I thought he's just asking a lot after 162 game season. Next to the guy to do something that he's not normally able to do. You know, it's like. Like well, you know, you got a lot of you got a, you got a lot of banners hanging in your town, so you know I, I would trust your judgment on that one. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it, it really, I mean, to me, it was a look as a, as a as a non fan of either team. It was fun, and how do you not like the Indians? I mean, the the, the catcher throws out the guy at second base and then gets the game winning hit. I mean, I I know you can point at heroes all over the place. To me, he's the hero last night. Yeah, and let me tell you, the strike zone was pretty bad last night too in that game. You know, and that's both ways. You know, it, it was all over the place. It was all over the place. But once again, and when, once again, how do you script it in baseball? They had they had the Yankees getting shut out last night because their aces on the mound and they absolutely bomb him, right? And down eight three, and they end up winning the game. It's so funny because of the story, right? Various storylines, and one of the one of them is how do you go into a game, you know, 
you know, where, where Severino, you know, in, in that in the one game playoff, he get, he doesn't even get two outs. They're down three nothing and they win the game and then you turn the page to last night that the Indians start and get bombed, you know, down eight three and they come back and win. That's the magic of baseball. It's really so when you Yeah, I mean you put up eight you put up eight runs against Kuba, you know, Somebody told you that before the game, you would have felt great about your chances to win the game, you know. Well, here's my question to you because you followed it a little bit more than me. Does this victory, even though it's a victory, it does obviously momentum swing up for the for the Indians big time. They don't necessarily have to sweep, and they still got a great chance of winning. Does this use of the bullpen yesterday hurt the Indians long term in their let's say potential next series if they get there? No, I don't think so because this is playoffs. You know, last year the same thing happened. Every year, guys use their, their the bullpens are always throwing two in it. You know, these games are big. When you're playing extra inning games, you got to use everybody. You know, these guys. You know, these guys are major league players. They got to be ready to pitch. You know, you know. I, I don't think it. I don't think it has a big effect. Every series. I mean, listen. If you're pitching this muddy games every game, it's a different story. You know, this is just one game that the Indians use their bullpen like this. So I don't think the Yankees now have used their bullpen three three games in the last week, you know, oh, less than a week. You I, know, I between the Minnesota game and the first two games of this series. So the Yankees bullpen, you're talking three games they were overused with. The Indians got a great start in game one from Bauer, and they didn't really use much of their bullpen that game. So And, and, they, and they had the ability to rest everybody over the weekend because they had it locked up. And, and, you know, there's something to be said about that. You know, they, they kind of were able to set their rotation a little bit. They rested their uh, relief pitches, and they still were 32-4, and four, right? I mean, incredible. It really is. It's incredible what's happening. And, you know, it's it's incredible to see a team like the Indians who, you know, obviously everybody wants to see this team win, and, and they just been, you know, it, it's been what. 60 years since they won. So, you know, well, it would be I, nice to see. You know, I, I personally think the Indians could win this whole thing, you know. So, well, I, I mean, it's good. Like, we'll see, you know. I like them and I like the Astros. It's hard It's hard to not like Altuve. Yeah, well, Altuve is unbelievable. I mean, and Correa, Carlos Correa, I mean. I mean, talk about a combination there. And, and, and two guys that really know how to play the game. Five full. Right, they're both five two ball players. I mean, you don't really have many of those guys anymore. You know, uh, and, it, and it goes right. down to the old saying, Pat. Man, it goes to the old saying. Why can't the Mets ever get a combo like that? <laughs> we can't. I mean, it's there. Well, we got David Wright coming back. <laughs> hey, listen. You got something to look forward to next year. Jesus Christ. What the Indians? No, David Wright coming back. <laughs> well, look, I don't, I don't even want to speak about the Mets because, you know, it, it's no, just, please it, don't, no, please don't, completely disheartening, and they, they don't belong in this place. They don't even work. They're not even worth five minutes during playoff season. They don't even yeah. deserve a, a, a well, minute we'll, of we'll, our time. We will speak about them after the World Series as we plan and cry on each other's shoulders about the start of next year and. All the good things we'll have to look at. We'll we'll, we'll talk.
talk about them when they're doing nothing next year. That's when we'll talk but, about but, but them. In the, off, in the off season, when everybody else is signing good players except the Mets. I think this is a fantastic series, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Indians and the Astros possibly going far. I think those are the two best teams right now. You know, it's nice to see. Really nice to see. You know, the scary thing is, Kluber is going to come. I mean, he's going to bounce back next game. I hate to be the team that plays against him. But you know that. Well, he's been lined up to pitch game five if the series went game five. So. I wouldn't want to pitch. I wouldn't want to face him again because a guy like that, though, he's not a he's not a sleeping dog. That's for sure. He's going to come out. And no. He's come out. I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. So I, you know, in, in my mind, it's very difficult for the Yankees to win this. But you know, it's baseball, and who knows, right? You just don't know. And going home is a is a, is a big advantage. It's a big momentum swing. And the other thing I want to ask you, really quickly. I know we always speak about if home field advantage is actually an advantage in the playoffs compared to different sports, right? And we've spoken about this before, and I think your opinion was in the playoffs in baseball, home field doesn't mean too much. Am I correct in, in saying that statement? Well, I not like – yeah, well, not like you – know, listen, it's always good to have your home field because you have your crowd and all that, but definitely – it's definitely more valuable in other sports like football, basketball. I mean, it's huge I, in basketball. Hockey, I don't think it's as important either. But I, I actually, think in basketball and football, it's very important. And if you were paying attention to that game, which I'm sure you are, when you start focusing and you see what was happening on the field, being a playoff extra inning game, I think it, it's it, – it, it's a complete different animal. I think the advantage went to the, the Indians the minute they tied that game, and and you could almost feel it in the air. You know, you kind of knew they were good. You thought they were going to win anyway. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and that – Well, once they the, tied the game, you, you knew it was going to be hard. Well, that's – You know, well, you know what? It went 13 innings, so the Yankees had chances. You know, guys getting picked off. Guys getting picked off a second don't help them help anything. So. No, the guy that was put into run. He, I don't think he'll wear pinstripes anymore. I think he's done. That's a bad move. Yeah, you and can't let that happen. And then he had an opportunity later on with a man on, didn't he? The eleventh inning or something, and he struck out. Yeah. Well, he's not you know, really known for his hitting. Redemption is funny. Redemption is really funny. You know, especially in sports, we only remember what you did last. You know, so, yeah. so, so you could have a bad play, and if you erase it with a really good play, um, and, and you change the course of a game, nobody will remember the, the you know, the struggles. You know, so it's, it's really, really interesting. That's for sure, Padman. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for coming on today. It was good to hear from you. It's always good to talk baseball with you. And, uh, you know, I look forward to speaking to you next week, hopefully. Absolutely. Look, I will be listening. I'm actually in the car for a while now um, uh, on my way. So I will uh, be listening for at least another hour. Awesome. Thank you. Have a lot of fun and say hello to Dr. A and uh, Mr. Vic and... 
Adam who and whoever else calls it. Okay. All right, I will. Magic Mike, I'll say hi to you. See you soon. Oh, and I tried Magic Mike and the Buffalo Bills. I think it's, and the, the Jets, are they not surprising everybody, really? <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're actually doing football now, so listen in. We're going to be talking football now. I sure will. Have a great one. You too, man. Thanks. Padman, ever colorful Padman calling in, doing some baseball. So we we did mostly, obviously, Yankees for the first 30, half hour, 40 minutes so far. We're going to switch gears to football now. We're going to do some football. We're gonna, then we got some hockey later. <clears throat> and then we're going to, probably in the last half hour, we're going to get back to some phone calls. And if any more Yankee fans want to call in then, 718-508-9883. And uh, but right now, Week five of the NFL is upon us. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Man, good morning. No, no, good morning. Glad you're feeling better. And last week you was under the weather, so it's good to have you back on. Yeah, glad to be feeling much better. As as week five already is upon us, amazing how fast it goes. As we always say, before you know it, it's like halfway through a season. Here we are, we're a quarter way through already. And uh, so as we get ready for week five, and before we jump into our picks and, and look ahead. Just some notes from last week. Obviously, some surprises. With I mean, obviously, we had a caller just talk about the Jets. I mean, the Jets two in a row, huh? The Jets. I mean, listen. You know, uh, are, are they are they tied for, coming into this week for the for the league and lead in the division or, or or Buffalo's three and one? Oh, so they're three and one. Okay, yeah, I was wondering. Wow, look yeah. at Buffalo. Mike must be happy. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Mike's ecstatic. I mean, big win for Buffalo over Atlanta on the road last week, right? I don't know if anybody's seen that one coming, except no, Magic shot. Mike. And you know, it was uh, a big win. I, obviously, a shocker there. I mean, obviously they lost Julio Jones and Sano in the game, but you know, still, you know, they're three and one. The, the Patriots three and two after they win the other night, and the Jets two and two, and the Dolphins who can't score at one and two in last place. So. 
But the Jets, I mean, really, after the 0-2 start, everybody's talking first pick at a draft, and then all of a sudden, two in a row, and they're playing Cleveland, which you could say is a, you know, a game they could win this week. I mean, right? I mean, so it's, it's uh, all of a sudden the Jets now – Obviously, we don't really think the Jets are a team that can make the playoffs or anything like that, you know. But are the Jets hurting themselves by winning games early in the year, or you don't believe in that tanking stuff? I mean, I personally, I believe in it, but just the players don't. The players, the coaches, they don't believe in it, you know. Obviously, yeah, nobody's ever going to tank right on purpose. Well, you know. if you tank in football, you, there's a good chance you, you get injured and your career's over. So, you got either you play hard or you, you risk being injured. So, you know, it's not one of those sports where you could just say, oh, you know, we stink. We're the Philadelphia 76ers. We're not going to play any players, you know. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like the Colts did when they tanked for Andrew Luck that year without Manning. Sure, yeah. Right. But... Then you look across. Then you look at the other side at the Giants. I mean, 0-4 and uh, another tough loss for them last week. A game at Tampa. That's a game they could have won, but they let it go. And things seem to be unraveling there with the Giants. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not pretty. I mean, you know what? Uh, maybe we over. Maybe I'm not going to say we. Maybe I overrated their defense because, I mean, it's just a sign of a bad team when you when your defense plays well, your offense can't get out of its own way, and when your offense plays decent. Your defense can't stop anybody. So, I don't know. It's just a sign of a bad team, you know, that, you know, you can't put you can't put everything together on a week-to-week basis, you know, to win a game. It's, you know, I mean, I, I fully expect them to win this week when, you know, you have a patsy like uh, Chargers uh, rolling into the, rolling into MetLife Stadium. But, you know. Yeah, I can't see the Giants that, losing this week. If the Giants lose this week. Yeah, it's a problem. You know? I mean, the one bright spot, you know, you could take out of that game, though, is Lee, Goldman looked like he has a pulse, you know. It looks like they could uh, do some things with Goldman. Yeah, now Perkins is out. And not that he was doing much anyway, but he's even out. So, Goldman's going to get all the touches this week, most likely. So, we'll see what he's got there. But and obviously, By the way, yours like, truly was calling for, for Goldman to see the ball like two or three weeks ago. So, you know, yes, you maybe did. I should replay weeks. Maybe I should be the GM and not Reese. Maybe you should be the head coach too. Yeah, I like then, to be in the I like the background, you know, be behind the scenes, right? You want to be behind the scenes. Exactly. And then we're looking around, just a couple other things. Obviously, Carolina with a big upset over New England last week, but then the whole Cam Newton drama from this week unravels, you know. Obviously, I mean, you can't say anything anymore, even if you're joking. I mean, I thought he was joking. Obviously, he shouldn't have said it because just how everything is in the world today. But, I mean, honestly, I don't see what he did wrong. What he said was 100% correct. Yeah, no, listen. In these days, days you can't tell the truth. You get persecuted for telling the truth. Well, that's what it is. You can't say anything publicly. And here's a guy who's done, who does great things off the field. I mean, as great as he could be in the community. And then he says one bad thing and he gets creamed. And then he apologizes and it's still not good enough for people. You know, it's not sincere. It's, it's, uh, give me a break. I, what do you want the guy to do? He apologizes. Move on. People hold things too long in this world. And it's, 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 that's why the problems exist in this world. Because everything, this media just blows everything up. And it's sickening already. 
Well, the media is the scum of the earth. No matter where really you look is. at your work, world media or sports media, they're just the scum of the earth. Really I, I put that. I put the media there. I put the media just a, just above meter maids when I'm talking about scum of the earth. <laughs> and, and ESPN has become the CNN of sports. There's no doubt about it. That's why nobody watches yep. ESPN anymore. Yeah, right, but pretty soon they're going to be paying people to watch them. Exactly. The fact of football, looking around, obviously. The Raiders, a tough loss last week. What, what are you hearing on Carr? Because I'm hearing he wants to play this week. Oh, yeah, he tapped out. He tapped out. He totally tapped out of the game. Uh, I, I saw the game, obviously. He tapped out of the game, you know, and just, you know, the, the, um, you know that feeling that the Raiders have had coming into the season, you know, it's just, it's gone. It's gone. It's all gone. They're 2-2 two and two at the, the quarter point of the season. Mediocre again, back to being mediocre. Actually, mediocre is, you know, a step up from what they were three or four years ago. So maybe I shouldn't be complaining. But I did watch my core, my quarterback tap out of a game. So I had to say about that game. You think he just wanted no part of Denver's defense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he tapped out of the game. I, I saw it happen. That's horrible. That's, you know. And what's the rumor? Did you hear anything about the week before how they – almost gave up the game to Washington on purpose because all, all the protesting. I mean, is there anything true to that, or is that just another media-ridden bullshit well, story? If you watch the game, it looked like the offensive line was forgot that they, you know, once they started the game, they, you know, they, they had to stop kneeling. So I think they've been kneeling since the, since the beginning of the Washington game, and they've, they've, they've yet to realize that you've got to stop kneeling and actually play football. You know, so that's basically what I've noticed since uh, – that garbage is all, you know, coming yeah, to my well, Like I said last week, we're not even – I won't even acknowledge that garbage on my show, so. Because well, it is garbage. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Yeah, no reason uh, to feed. Yeah, yeah. I'm here to talk football, not not talk politics. The sports gets you away from that stuff. Sports is supposed to get you oh, away it's from it's that a post. crap. It's a poster, but, you know. Yeah. And then uh, looking at, also looking around – so obviously we talked about Buffalo big win for Magic Mike's Bills. Obviously he's ecstatic. His Bills are three and one. You know, can the Bills maintain this, or, or is it just an early season hot streak? What do you think there? Well, I mean, listen, this, they they look good. Their defenses look great, and uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor looks like you know looks like he you know he can manage a game and make a play when he needs to, which is all that matters in this league. Is you know. You know, you get one more point than the other team, and that's it. You're a winner. And their defense, really, I mean, is pretty uh, is unbelievable. Big. Yeah. And if, you, and if you look at it, too, the game they lost to Carolina, they could have won that game, too. The Bills could be 4-0 right now. Exactly. So, definitely a nice surprise for Magic Mike and his Bills early in the year. And then you look around – Obviously, uh, a couple other little points. The Rams win over Dallas. That was a great game. The Rams, you know, that's a kind of a, a win. The Rams showing they're for real. You know, that's that type of win for them there. And also, obviously, uh, Tennessee loses Mariota. Do you have anything if Mariota's going to play tomorrow against Miami? I I haven't. Heard, I mean, it looks like he's going to. They're going to. They're going to. You know. Uh, Keep him, keep him. Uh, it looks like he may miss that w- at least one game. But uh, 
you know what's interesting? The you know you had Mariota and uh, and Carr get injured last year the same week, and then the last week too you had them both get injured. Just interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. That's how ironic is that, huh? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, from what I'm seeing, I, I, as of now, I think they're saying he's a game time decision. So I, you know, who knows what that means. They just don't want to say he's if he's playing or not. Thinking, you know, thinking against some kind of competitive advantage by not saying anything. I guess. Yeah, but, I guess it doesn't. Hurt. I mean, why show your cards? I'm sure Miami's planning for Marietta, and if they stay, if Weeden plays, they'll you know whatever they'll deal with Weeden. I'm sure they're not worried about Weeden. I'm sure they're hoping Weeden plays. You know, another thing, I just want to make a quick point here. Enough of these, enough of these London games. They're awful. You can't watch it, that. That Miami New Orleans game was impossible to watch. You can't watch it. I mean, I, I watch it. I'm a football fan, but it, it, literally, it, there's no reason to do it. I mean, these games are awful. I know. These teams don't want to, you know, they, they, they come out flat. The penalties, first of all, were ridiculous. I mean, they're going to flag every play. Yeah, it's awful. Awful football. Awful. Unwatchable football, as you would say. And throw, and throw that in with an ugly Jay Cutler outing. Forget it. You really have an unwatchable game. Yeah, so. And the week before, that Jacksonville uh, destroy uh, Baltimore. Yeah. And then Pittsburgh handed it to Baltimore last week. Baltimore, after that 2-0 and start now, all of a sudden they've gone backwards. Still, Flacco don't look good at all. Yeah, I, I didn't. Th- I thought they were a fake team coming into week three. I, you know, started off 2-0. and I, I thought out of all the 2-0 and teams, they were, they were the one team that was fake. So, yeah, they've just showed it. And then we look. So, then we uh, – so – Thursday night, New England-Tampa was a tough game, tough ending. I mean, Tampa had chances. Obviously, their field goal kick had killed them, missing kicks. But they still had chance at the end of the game. And oh, yeah. They, they took a lot of hits. Yeah, that was sweet. Uh, it was a beautiful game to watch. If, you, if you're into defensive football, that was a fun game to watch. Because, you know, I'm a, you know I, everyone likes the 35-34 games, which I don't know. I enjoy it. But... Every once in a while, you throw a defensive game in there. It's you know, it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, that was a game people were probably expected points to be more points to be scored, right? Sure. I mean, New England's defense yeah. has been bad early in the year, and uh, you know, I just you know, they had their chances to win at the end, but I don't think uh, obviously the field goal kick that killed them. I mean, the guys, I mean, a couple of them were long, but, I mean, missing a 30-something yarder, I mean, that's just inexcusable. You can't, you know, you shouldn't even have a job on Monday if, you know, you can't hit those kicks. So Yeah, the, it looks like they're going to they're, they're bringing in some competition, trying out some new players, and uh, I probably expect them to, to be uh, gone by Monday. But, obviously, New England moves without Gronkowski, so that took something away from them. And uh, Brady just took – he really did take a beating. I mean, he was getting – you know, you don't see Brady getting – you got to wonder if Brady keeps getting hit like that if he's going to start reconsidering his plan to play five more years, you know, after something like that. It's easy easy to say you're going to play until you're 46 years old when you don't get touched. But once you start getting getting put in the mat like that, yeah. (laughs) It was fun to watch. It was fun to watch him take a beating. Yeah, no, for sure. 
All right, then you got looking ahead now. So we got let's start off at the top here: uh, San Francisco, Indianapolis. You could you want to pick the first game? Yeah, yeah, I'll pick the first game. Uh, the 49ers in Indianapolis. I mean, Indianapolis won their game last week. I'm going to go with San Francisco here, and a little bit of an upset. You know, I'm going to pick them on the road here to to, to take to to win a game against uh, the the Colts. I just think they're uh, the defense is a little awful. I mean, uh, you know, despite the game they had against the Rams, and uh, you know, Indianapolis. You know, Chuck Pagano probably feels like he wants to, you know. Uh, Celebrate like it's the Super Bowl, you know, after after winning a game at home. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm going to go with Indy in this game because of their home. But I got to say, San Francisco has lost some tough games the last couple of weeks. I mean, they could have won that game in Arizona last week. You know, and I think if uh, if Shanahan's a little more, you know, smarter at the end of that game in overtime, they could have won that game and Arizona would have never got the ball back. But, you know, he kind of played for that field goal and, you know, I think it cost him. But yeah, and then you know, obviously they lost that tough that shootout to the Rams the week before. So San Fran hasn't been as bad as their zero and four record, you know. Surprisingly, I just think at home the Colts, I think the Colts will take it. Just I'm just going with them because they're at home in this game. And then Jets Cleveland. Oh. I'm sorry, you wanted to say something else about the other game? Go ahead. I'm you know that's pretty much all Indianapolis versus San Francisco deserves uh, of our attention. Yeah. So Jets at Cleveland. So here's a game. No, 0-4 Cleveland. The Jets are 2-2. Two and two. and I, I, you know, I'm going to go with Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to get their first win this week. I just have a feeling they do, you know, they do for a good game. I, I don't know. I just have a feeling. Nobody expected. Listen, we didn't expect Cleveland to make the playoffs this year, but we also didn't expect, I don't think, an 0-4 start either. So I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Cleveland to upset the Jets this week. When who would thought it would be an upset over the Jets at this point? But I'm going to go with Cleveland at home. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I was just going to go with Cleveland also because uh, you know, the Jets, you know, two games in a row. I mean, who would have thunk it? You know, and uh, you know, Cleveland's going to get Miles Garrett back. Jets, Jets have a Jets have a real uh, deficiency in offensive line. That's, Keep it kindly. You know, Cleveland's home, you know. And plus, they've got to win a game, you know. They're not going to go home with 16, and the Jets certainly aren't going to go 14-2, and two, you know. So, uh, yeah, you know, after a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, a win streak, I, you know, just, you know, just figure that, 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 that Cleveland has a real shot at winning this game. And being, being at home, I, I think, uh, you know, puts it over the top. I agree. And then, all right, this one's for you to start off with. Carolina at Detroit. Yeah, I'm going to – I mean, I really like that. I really like what I'm seeing from Detroit. They're playing at home. You know, Carolina coming off a big win. You know, week to week, it's hard to tell what you're going to see from a, a team. You know, uh, there's really not much of momentum when it comes to the NFL. You know, you know, unless you're, unless you're one of these, uh, you know, high-flying teams and uh, – you know, I just think Detroit's going to – I think it's going to be an ugly game. Detroit maybe wins this game, you know, 21-17 or something like that. I think it's going to be a, a you know, a hard-hitting, you know, sloppy game that Detroit, Detroit comes out and wins. Yeah, I like Detroit, too. I think Detroit's uh, at home. I like – I kind of like what Detroit's doing this year, too. I like – I like their offense. I like what Stafford's doing, and I like their defense. I mean, their defense 
that Giant game played really well. And, you know, they had a nice road win last week, too. I, I like Detroit as well. We're gonna, now we're going to go to the Chargers at Giants. I got to say the Giants in this game because I don't see them going to 0-5, especially against the Chargers in Giants. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The Chargers to me are a mess right now. They can't even draw fans in their new, in their new stadium. I, and, you know, now they're on the road. The Giants are going to be angry 0-4. I think the Giants just have too much now. But then to look out for in this game, though, obviously is that Chargers defensive line against the Giants. Offensive line, you know, Bosa and Ingram against the Giants' offensive line. Now, Manning, Manning may eat the turf like Brady did the other night. That's definitely, you know, something to look for. What do you think? Yeah, I like the Giants too in this game, and you know, I kind of feel bad for the Chargers. For the Chargers, they the NFL put them in an impossible situation. They're playing in a soccer stadium, you know, and, and you know, it's they can't draw flies, you know. It's just a bad decision by the NFL uh, putting two teams in L.A. I mean, if you're going to put a team in L.A., you might as well put a, a national team like the Raiders there, you know, a team that you know that's going to draw people there that, that that actually has fans. But, you know, I feel bad for the Chargers. I feel bad for Rivers. I mean, it shouldn't – his career shouldn't have to end this way. But, uh, you know, it's just – right now they just can't get out of their way. They kick it, can't make kicks. They lose in all these close games – in the fourth quarter, you know, either going back from last year, you know, and I just think, the, you know, the Giants, you know, they do, and, you know, and the Chargers, you know, they just can't get out, like I say, they can't get out of their own way. And it will be interesting to see what the Giants do to, um, you know, do in preparation with the, this, this wanted uh, Charger uh, defensive line. But uh, I, I think they'll figure something out here. Maybe you'll, you'll see some draw plays or some uh, – or, or some, uh, so some uh, like uh, slow slow starting like 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 the like the, the stretch play you'll see some 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 plays like that and you'll see the Giants you know win this game probably rather easily. Yeah, probably a lot of quick passes too, quick slams yeah. and stuff like that. A lot of stuff like that, and then occasionally try to open it up with deep plays later. You know, as if they could you know they feel their lines holding up, then maybe they can sneak a couple of big plays in that. All right, so this one's for you, Arizona at Philly. Arizona, Philly. I'm going to go with Philadelphia here because you know, I've liked what I've seen out of Philadelphia. You know, and look last week that they've they've uh, you know they've uh, they've they've shown some commitment to run the ball, which is something they, they haven't shown since this Peterson guy has uh, you know started as started as head coach. You know, and another thing. It's Peterson, you got to take your points when you have your chance. You can't keep going for it on fourth down when you have the ball on the 30-yard line. This is the NFL. This isn't college. You just you just have to take the points when you have them. Hello? Yeah, I'm going to go with Philly, too. I haven't been too impressed with Arizona early in this year. I'm not like I know that I know. Obviously, Palmer's putting up yardage. Obviously, Fitzgerald. I mean, what more can you say about Fitzgerald? The guy's just unbelievable. I just think uh, I think Philly's going to be too much for them this week. I expect Philly to beat them pretty uh, pretty good at home this week. You know, Arizona's running game has a lot of issues right now, and I, I don't know. I just you know they're zero two against the NFC. You know, in the NFC, not in their division this year. 
So, you know, I, I just thought I'm not a – I'm not, I think the Eagles maybe like the 27-17, you know, and listen, Fitzgerald has been a, a thorn in the Eagles' side in the past. You know, he averages six catches, 99 yards, and more than a touchdown per game against the Eagles. I just think that the Eagles, though, this, this game, I think the Eagles are too good for them now, personally. And, you know, uh, I bet Doodoo Brown tweeted me out that uh, the Eli never beats Rivers head-to-head. Oh, he ever beats Rivers at the head. So that's another thing we'll look we'll look for tomorrow in tomorrow's game. The Chargers and the Giants. At Jacksonville Pitt in Pitt, I, I think Pitt at home handles them pretty easily. I might have listen, the Jags seem like a, a team you never know what you're getting week to week. One week they look great, the next week they look, you know, average. You know, I, I just don't know which Jaguar team we're gonna see this week, but I think Pittsburgh at home and Pittsburgh hasn't been playing Pittsburgh hasn't really put a great game together yet. I think Pittsburgh is due for, you know, due for a good game. You know, they did stumble on the road with Chicago a couple of weeks ago. And then last week they decided to get Le'Veon Bell going finally. And he, and he finally, you know, he carried the ball 35 times and gashed what we thought was a good Ravens defense for 144 yards. So he'll get another test this week against the talented Jaguars team. But I still think, uh, I think I think Bell is going to go off this week. What do you think? I'd like to say I like Pittsburgh too. I just uh, you know they're improving each week. You know the defense is um, you know I I expect their defense to improve week to week also. You know and uh, you know, Jackson, I just I just don't know what to, like you said. I just don't know what to expect from them on a week to week basis. Uh, they're pretty uh, they're pretty Jekyll and Hyde and um. That's an awful loss last week. You can't lose to the Jets. You know, you can't lose to the Jets after uh, after dismantling the Ravens the week before. I mean, if you're going to be a team that's you know, who strives to make the playoffs, you know, which obviously they are, you know, you can't lose that game last week. It was a real disappointment. I agree. And then you got Tennessee at Miami. I mean, I mean obviously a lot of it's going to depend on if Mariana plays. You know, we don't think he's going to play. You know, they obviously got some, some issues, the Titans, but so does Miami offensively. So, you know, the Titans do have the ground game. Pass defense has been a disaster, especially last week. I mean, they gave up 57 points last week. I mean, obviously it wasn't all on the on the pass defense, but giving up 57 points last week. And uh, you know, that, that, combine that with the Dolphins' struggling offense, you know, it, it's, it's – I mean, which way does this game even go? Right? What do you think? Yeah, this is, a, this is a tough game to pick because it's just, uh, you know, you, what you're looking at last week, if you're just going to look at it, in, in, you know, isolate last week, I mean, just uh, futility on both 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 teams. I mean, giving up 57 points to the, to, to Houston and Miami just, you know, sh- just not showing up last week. I mean, I expect, uh, you know, I expect them to, you know, this being a real home game for the, for the Dolphins to, uh, you know, pound the ball at Tennessee, even though that Tennessee's uh, weakness is in the secondary. I, I just, I think Miami goes back to basics, pounds the ball, uses their offensive line, you know, and, you know, gets, gets, gets something like a 20, 23-17, when I think they, they win this game, you know, just, just simply because you just don't know what you're going to get from Tennessee with the quarterback situation. I wish we had more of a, you know, I wish yeah, we had we'll more clarity of, uh, on 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I agree with you. If he don't play, I got to take Miami, too, if he's not playing for sure. I mean, last year, though, Tennessee ran for 235 yards on Miami. But Miami's defense does look improved this year, especially their run defense. It's been one of the top five in the league, I think, so far this year, the run defense. So I think that that could definitely be a factor. I think it's definitely improved. And they're getting uh, Maluga, Ray Malugas making his first uh, start of the year as well. And now they got Timmons back as well. So I think that definitely helps their defense. Like like you said, I without with Mariota's status up in the air, it's hard to pick Tennessee in a game like this. And you got to think of Miami's first true home game of the year that they got to come out. At some point, they got weapons on offense. At some point, if they can give Cutler some time and and the plays are ran the right way, they can put some points on the board at some point. I mean, getting shut out by the Saints though was really uh, mind boggling how that even happened. I you know I don't even know how that happened. I mean, it's the Saints, for Christ's sake, you know. And almost got shut yeah. out by the Jets the week before. I mean, they scored the last play of the game against the Jets the week before. They would have got shut out that game, too. So, I don't know, something's wrong there with the offense. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, is it Jake, only Jake Cutler? Is it the line? But, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. The Jaya hasn't gotten going, so I don't know what's going on there. But they got issues right now offensively, that's for sure. All right, Seattle at the Rams. I'm going to go with Seattle. I think Seattle's going to come up with a big game this week. I think uh, I know they haven't been great this year. They won last week, obviously, and they lost their running back now, Carson. But I, I think uh, I think Seattle, their defense, their second half, they were pretty dominant last week. You know, so I, I think that's going to carry over. I know the Rams have been playing great and they're feeling good about themselves with a big road win on the Cowboys. And their offense has been clicking, especially Gurley. I mean, Gurley looks like he's responding in a big way. And uh, But I don't know. I just have a feeling Seattle wins this game. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I like Seattle too because, you know, I just uh, – well, first of all, we're out of September. You know, Russell Wilson's stat- statistics in September are awful every year. Always always starts the season slow and then starts the season off slow. And, uh, you know, their defense is good. You know, and uh, what I've liked about Gurley this year is not only is his running, is that they're throwing the ball him in the passing game a lot too, which is really, really the quarterback's yeah. best friend. You know, Seattle's a little banged up on defense. You know, you know, Averill's, uh looks looks like he's out for going to be out for a while. You know, but you know they have depth there. You know, and uh, they just I think that the Rams, you know, they're a good story right now. It's just that they're gonna. You know, you win a game that you're not supposed to win. Sometimes you usually give that game back. You know, usually evens out. You know, and uh, I just think Seattle's going to win this game. I would say easily, maybe uh, you know, maybe three, four point point win. You know, maybe not as high scoring as as many may think, but uh, I think Seattle guts this one out. Yeah, I agree. And this one's for you, Baltimore at your Raiders. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where – I'm not too confident with E.J. Manuel in there, but, you know, they're Baltimore. And, uh, you know, we owe, we owe this Harbaugh guy. I, I remember I remember a few years back they were winning the game. They had a 43, like, 43-6 win. And they lined up for a field goal, and they faked it, and they, and they scored a touchdown. We owe – and something I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. And uh, we, we owe this Harbaugh scumbag. We owe, we owe, we owe him, and uh, I think, um, you know – I, I could see the Raiders winning this game ugly, like seventeen thirteen or something like that. You know, hopefully, uh, 
hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully uh, Marshawn and the offensive line decide, you know, decide to actually play a game, you know, and uh, show up actually, you know, and being back in Oakland's not gonna not gonna hurt anybody either. So, uh, I think the Raiders can tough this one out, you know, like an ugly 17-13 win. Yeah, I could see that myself. I could see the Raiders winning. I think it'll be a little, little bigger of a win than that. But I think, you know, obviously it depends on EJ Manuel how many points he can put on the board. But you know, Flacco's struggling. One touchdown in his last twenty-eight drives, and you know, Baltimore's a poor history of traveling out west. Five consecutive losses in the West Coast. So I, I don't, I don't see you know, as bad as they've been playing the last couple of weeks, I don't see. I don't see them even giving. I think the Raiders' defense, Khalil Mack, I think guys like they're just going to shut them down. I think uh, Flacco's going to take a beat in this week, and I expect the Raiders to, to bounce back and win this game pretty good. And who knows, Carl may even play. I mean, you don't even know. He may even end up playing this game. So we'll have to keep yeah, an eye on that as well. If he does play, it just confirms my uh, suspicion that he tapped out. Yeah, and that that's would not definitely a good confirm that. That's not a good sign for for a rated team that just invested one hundred and twenty one hundred twenty five million dollars in them. So, yeah, no, you're right. All right, so now uh, Green Bay at Dallas. I'm going to go with the Cowboys to bounce back this week at home. I think the Cowboys will come up with a big game this week. I know, obviously, whenever you got Rogers and uh, I hear Devontae Adams will play. I don't know if Montgomery's playing, though. I think Montgomery's out, right, this week? Yeah, I just just saw yeah. But I don't know. I I have a feeling that Dallas comes comes out with a big game this week. They get Elliott more involved. Dez hits a couple of big plays. And I think uh, think Dallas wins, but I think they expect a close game, like a 31-27 type game here. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with Green Bay in this game. Uh, I I just – you know, it's hard for me to pick against Rodgers right now. He's got a he 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, eleven hundred, almost 1,200 yards passing, 100 quarterback rating. And uh, I, I kind of think Prescott's been a little exposed. And I, I think um, I think it, I, they all banged up Green Bay. They have a lot of injuries in a lot of positions. But just the NFL, next man up, you know. And, you know, these are all NFL players, you know, no matter where you, where you sit on the depth chart and uh I like Green Bay. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win this game. I wouldn't say it's gonna be anything easy. Maybe something like a 27-20 game, something like that. You know, I, I just. I just think Green Bay takes this one. Yeah, I expect. To, I agree with you there. It's definitely gonna be like one of those close games in the fourth quarter for sure. Right, Kansas City and Houston. Now here's Kansas City. They're eight and one against quarterbacks in their first start. I mean, first seasons as a starter under Andy Reid. That's a big, interesting stat. I mean, Deshaun Watson has been unbelievable. And we talked about this before the season, and I said it, that Deshaun Watson could be the best quarterback in his draft class. You said it as well. Like, we talked about this. So we're not shocked by what's going on here with Deshaun Watson right now. And, you know, he's doing a great job there in Houston. And uh, I don't know, but I think I actually think KC is just playing great football right now. I like KC to win the game, but Houston's definitely – going in the right direction as a franchise. What do you think? I agree. I like Kansas City. Um, you know, it, it just, you know, it looked easy last week for Houston. I mean, and usually when it, 
you know, when a game, you, you know, I'm not saying anything's going to get to his head or anything like that. It's just that usually reality, reality sets in the next week after a game where you score 57 points. You know, you, and, and Kansas City's just been, you know, impressive, both offensively and defensively. You know, just explosive, too. Things you haven't seen from Kansas City maybe ever since I've watched them play. You know, I've seen them play. They've, they've never had an explosive team like this that throws the ball down the field, have a great, great offensive line. Their defense is playing excellent. You know, and, uh, I, you know, I just I like Kansas City. I think they can win this game actually over a touchdown, maybe over 10 points. Yeah, I agree 100% there. Kansas City looks really good. I mean, it's playing really good. Alex Smith's playing as good as he's ever played right now. Kareem Hunt's just been a fine for them, and it, they're just playing great football right now. All right, Vikings at Bears. Vikings and Bears. Obviously, the Vikings get a huge, tough break with Delvin, Delvin Cook out for the year. I mean, that's just tough. You hate to see stuff like that. You know, I, you know, Bradford could possibly play this week. What do you think about that game? Yeah, I like. I actually like the Bears playing at home on Monday night. Um, Trubisky's first start ever. Um, you know, yes, Trubisky's first start. And um, you know, I just just Minnesota. You just never know what you're going to see from them. Usually, my old saying is defense travels, but their defense has been okay. You know, plus I'm not sure about Bradford if he's going to play this week. I mean, sure he's practiced, but it's been on a limited basis. You know. And, and you know, being a Monday night game, maybe, maybe, maybe that extra day helps. Maybe it doesn't help. I don't. I just sometimes me the Bears are going to win this game on a Monday night. You know, and uh, Monday nights are just different around this around this league. It just you get, usually get the best from the from the home team and and from the underdog. And you know, Chicago's the underdog and their home. So I kind of like Chicago in this game. Yeah, I'm going to go with Minnesota. I think Minnesota's going to you know come out. Come out trying to be good defense will hold them down. But Trubisky, it's going to be interesting to see how Trubisky plays this week. That's for sure. You know, Delvin Cook obviously is in there. I mean, who do you think is, is Latarius Murray the guy, or is McKinnon going to get a lot of touches? What do you think is going on there with the ground game for Minnesota? They'll probably split it. You'll probably see more Murray on early downs and uh, McKinnon on uh, on third downs. He's a good he's a good pass receiving back. You know, a little. He's not somebody you want to, you know, want to be a lead back, but he's a good third down back. I think you would see something like 60-40 split in snaps between uh, Murray and uh, McKinnon. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and listen, if Murray takes charge and starts running wild, then maybe it's different, you know. But I think think McKinnon's going to get a lot of touches myself. I agree. I'm going to go with Minnesota, though, and – you know, have a couple. Of, you gotta have a couple of picks that are not the same, right? So, but and now the last one I saved for I saved this one for last. And we're gonna we're gonna actually bring in Magic Mike to talk about the Bills and the Bengals with us right now. Let's bring Magic Mike in. What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's going on, guys? How's it going? Oh, it's going good. It's it's just uh, it's just one of those. Uh, those great wins, you know, when you defeat two teams that you should. Well, you shouldn't. But anyway, the Bills no, you and the should. Bengals you put... should. You should. The the uh, the Atlanta game. Well, you know, the the uh, what do you call it, the Denver game? We shouldn't have won. 
Um, you know, but the but the Atlanta game, I felt we should win. I picked Atlanta, and uh, I was right on that. I figured we would win that. I actually I actually told one of my good friends because he had something to say about the Bills versus his Atlanta Falcons. I actually told him that we were going to win. So. Huh? So how do you feel? How do you feel about this week's game with the Bengals? You know, a lot of people are picking the Bengals because they say that the Bills are contenders. But I, I think the Bengals are. Um, I think the Bills are going to win. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Bills are going to pull it off. Well, I look at this game. You come into this game, you figure before the season, you thought the Bengals would obviously be better than one and three. Nobody knew the Bengals would be one and three. Just like the Bills are surprised at a three and one. So it's an interesting game. Obviously, Vegas likes Cincinnati as well in this game because they're the favorite, you know, in this game. But uh, I don't know. I think this is a tough game right here to pick. I mean, I I think the Bengals, because I think the Bengals have to win this game if they're going to salvage anything for this season. But the Bills' defense has been really good, so it's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Bolton plays against this defense. What do you think, Petey? Well, I think I think a big key in this game is uh, the the madman Vontaze Burfitt coming back from suspension. I think he makes their, I think he makes Cincinnati's defense, uh, you know, from a little above average to, to very good. Uh, I like I like the Bengals simply because, like I said before, usually when a team wins games, you know that you don't expect them to win. You see them cough up a game that you know that you would think on paper they have a shot to win. But you look at the game, you see Cincinnati's at home. You know Buffalo coming off a big coming coming off a big win. They, you know, I, you know their defense is good. Buffalo and Cincinnati, though, they can be explosive when you know, they can be explosive when you know when when they uh you know when they have everything go going their way. And I just think I I think that if 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 the Bills want to win this game, they have to get points early and they have to do well on first first and second down. You can't be looking at third and seven, third and eight. You know, if they can get to like third and four, third and three, you know, where, where you, you know Cincinnati doesn't know what's coming on them at them on third down, you know, they could be all right. But I just think Cincinnati playing at home and, and Vontaze Burfitt coming back, they're a different defense and a different team. Uh, we'll see tomorrow, Petey. You know, uh, I I yeah. also think this. Listen, I also think this. You guys are missing the the biggest um, the biggest thing that you guys didn't bring up. We have a great automatic kicker. Fucking Stinghouse is unbelievable. Yeah, no, he's been doing yeah. good early in the year. There's no doubt about it. He's doing better than the Raiders, Petey. He's kicking, baby. What? what? Hey, listen. He's, I said he's doing better than the Raiders right now, Petey. Come on. Houskis, automatic. All right. What happened last week? What happened last week? What happened last week? Hey. The Bills got off to a similar start last year, and you were on here boasting too. So now, well, I was year was, game yeah, but last year we beat. Yeah, but last let's year we beat season we, seven we, and nine, Mike. Let's see, hey, let's see, let's see. Let's bang your chest. Last year, listen. Last year we beat. So listen, listen, listen. Let me just say this. Let me say this, Mike. Mike, Mike. If you look at both teams, would you rather have the the Buffalo Bills roster or the Oakland Raiders roster? Answer, please. Right now, the Buffalo Bills roster. No, 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 no. Not right now. Not right now. Forever. Forever. Would you rather have the Buffalo Bills little little nice roster or would you have the Oakland Raiders? 
Answer, I, I, please. I, I like to have the Buffalo Bills because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, Petey. I'm not oh, like oh, you, yeah, right? that's the only reason. That's the Come only on, reason. Petey, if you ask 99, 99 out of 100 intelligent NFL, NFL, NFL. NFL personnel people, they would take the Raiders. So well, that's of course, stop, you know, you, you got to do stop, what you got to do. Stop, uh, stop, but stop, but I look at it this way. Last year, stop, last year when I – hey, listen, Petey, you're going to let me speak or what? Come on. Oh, no. No, actually, I got to go soon. So I'll be right I got to throw a stat out there anyway, just about the game tomorrow. So, you know, Taylor, Tyron Taylor's excelled in the passing with Clay and LaShawn McCoy so far this year. But interesting stat, the Bengals boast the NFL's lowest yards per catch by opposing tight ends and running backs. So that's a matchup right there to look at because that's been part of Buffalo's success early in the year, and Cincinnati's defense has been great at, at stopping that. So that's a matchup. And also, you guys, you guys are football gurus, and you didn't even bring up the other point, too. Speaking of, I'm glad I'm on the show today. Thank you. But you guys didn't bring up that we have two big injured players. We got Ramon Humber, who's injured, and we got Matthews, who's injured. That's big. Big play. No, I wouldn't call those big players. I would call big players the guys that got hurt for Atlanta last week in the second quarter and didn't come back. Because if Julio Jones don't leave that game, Buffalo don't win that game. So, and you're saying, you're, you're questioning our Google status, and you're going Julio who? Okay. Yeah, I know, you know, uh, who the only It's the same client who took uh, Tyrod Taylor in a, in a, over at Ben Roethlisberger in a, in a fantasy draft <laughs> next year. So, please, so stop. We know what you're talking about. Well, this year I have Brady. I mean, you know, this year I have the kid this year. I'm surprised you didn't pretty, take uh, Taylor over Brady. No, I took, I took Brady first because he was available. So, and and uh, but also Mike, Mike Freddie Mike, Freeman over Mike Trout in a fantasy baseball. Oh, I love I love <laughs> Freddie Freeman. I love <laughs> Freddie. I love I love Freddie Freeman. Hey, you know what? You know what's also funny too? You got that clown, that clown out there in Denver, Osweiler, who who tried to play it, who tried to play with Tyrod Taylor. The Denver Broncos could have at least won that game if he didn't pull what? that stupid stunt. Well, listen. I think I think listen. It's nice your team's three and one, but I think you need to pump on the brakes a little. I think you're overrating them a little. Listen, I'm pumping on the brakes. I, I, I will I will tell you this. Last year at this time, we were beating bad teams. We weren't beating good teams. We were beating bad teams. And you know what? I think also the Bills. I thought I think also the Bills' success. It's a lot to do with luck, too. I think we're very lucky this year that we were last year. But I'll pump on the brakes. I am pumping on the brakes. But I think tomorrow we're going to go into um, Cincinnati and we're going to take over because the Buffalo Bills have been circling the wagon. I think that's what the Buffalo Bills are going to do. And then we got to buy. And then I think we're going to have trouble with Tampa. And then I think we're going to wipe the floor in Oakland, baby. Yeah. I don't think wow. that's going to happen. I'll be there, wow. second row. Buffalo doesn't like the flow with anybody. They're not that type of team. So. Well, I, I don't see you. Big, you're a big man, right? I don't see you going to Buffalo. I'll be there, second row, baby. I'll be there. Do me a favor, Mike, and go to Oakland. <laughs> go to in Oakland with, with a Buffalo Bills, with Buffalo Bill jersey. We'll never have to hear from you again. <laughs> not in Oakland. I won't go to Oakland. I'm going to Buffalo. I'll be in Buffalo, buddy. 
<laughs> if you're smart, I'll be in Buffalo. I'll be I'll be in Buffalo. I don't think with anybody wants to go to Oakland with an opposing jersey on. Yeah, but you know, but you know what though, I I actually think that like last week's game, you know, looking at Atlanta, I, it was tough. I mean, but for you know, but for some strange odd reason, for some odd reason, I felt we were going to win. But it could happen though. I mean, the teams that you're supposed to beat, you usually lose to. Right, Peter, you know, last week you're supposed to be Denver and come on. Oh, 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 oh. Nobody, nobody's supposed to be Denver in Denver. So if you're a football fan, you know that. Nobody, you could, Denver could have, have the worst roster in the league. Nobody's supposed to win in Denver. Now the Cowboys found out. Denver really pounded the Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys out. But I, I, I think you're right, though. I think you're right, Anthony, in, in, uh, in this year, nobody's seen the Buffalo Bills coming. I mean, it, you know, we're only a quarter in, you know, into the season. We, you know, we played, you know, five. We're up to week five already. Anything can happen. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. Well, listen, I'm you totally stunned that I'm surprised they beat Atlanta. I didn't expect them to beat Atlanta. At least, so it was a nice win for them. So, you know, but, again. Yeah, that that happens. I mean, nobody picked Atlanta. I mean, nobody picked Buffalo for, for me. You know, nobody said Buffalo was going to go in there and beat Atlanta, and I said it. And and it was just a, it was an incredible. It's like an incredible win. But you said it because but, you're a Bills fan. No, no, no I said no, it because I knew they were going to win. No, 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 no I said it because I knew that they the were going to win. I didn't say it because I'm a Bills fan. I I'm yes, a football fan. Like, I said it because right. I if you're a football fan on the surface, you would say the Bills are never going to win a game in Atlanta this week. Come on. No, well, I, I said it because Let's I felt it. The, the, Bills, the Bills came off but of the great... But his chest in week, week 617 when the Buffalo Bills had five wins. Well, I don't know about five, Petey, but I... Uh-huh. I, I, I mean, I picked the Bills to be 8-8 eight eight this year. So did I. I. I picked them to be 8-8, eight eight, Petey, only, only because, you know, of the the of the of the schedule and then the loss of all our receivers, you know, people are part, you got all these receivers out in different places. They're just not that good either. I mean, you pick them to go eight and eight because you're, they're not that good. Well, we'll see Petey at the end. I mean, right now they're, they're right now they're good enough to, to do what they got to do. They're, they're not, they're not in anybody's, they're not in the Patriots league. They're, they're not there yet, but they, but they're, they're trying They're doing what they can do. And, you know, if you guys want to make some money this week, you go with the Bills. If you guys want to make bets, you go with the Bills. That's what I think. I mean, I think the Bills are going to win. I mean, I, you know, I'm confident enough. Well, again, Cincinnati is garbage. Cincinnati is garbage. I mean, come on. But I think there's a good chance that Cincinnati could win this game this week. And then I agree, by the way, I agree with Petey for what he said before about the London game. I wouldn't really necessarily say any given Sunday. I mean, talent-wise, Cincinnati has more talent than the, than the Bills, if you look at the roster. Right, and if that's the case, how come the Bills are 3-1? And one? Where, where's Cincinnati? The games they're played, it's early in the season. That's what I'm saying. How many games has Cincinnati won? You're judging the season on four games. You did the same thing right. last year when the Bills were three and one, and then they crumbled. No, the Bills beat you last year. Was you were boasting the Bills last year team. on the show when the Bills got off to a hot start. You were boasting on the show. No, they they didn't, the Bills didn't get off to a hot start. The Bills, the Bills were, the Bills were horrible. Pete, don't you remember last that? Year. Yeah, 
Yeah, I remember, but they beat bad teams, too. They really beat bad but teams. But you weren't acting like that last year. You were just saying but they listen, won. Listen, this year they beat a great goal. Jets team in the beginning. Listen, let me speak. They beat, Jets Jets right, thank, right, thank in, they beat a great Jets team in the beginning. We won that game. The Jets Jets race, then you really are losing your mind. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we beat a great Denver team. You don't think the Denver's great? Yeah, no, Denver's a very good team, yes. Okay, then we beat a very good team. We beat a very mediocre Super Bowl team. By the way, they were the Super Bowl champs. We beat them. You know, we got one. We got one focus this year. We got one team, one focus. It all starts with one, and that's the Buffalo Bills. So let's get our circle of the wagon. Get the play the Bills, play the Bills song. Let's go, baby. One one team, one focus. That's a nice catchphrase. You should you should you should have that. Uh, you should make that into t-shirts. I know. I have one a towel. It's on my wall. I have the towel on my wall that I got from the beginning of the season. It starts with one, one team, one focus, and uh, you know, it it just it just happens this way. I mean, but last year was you were you're right. I was boasting about it last year, but last year was different, and I was more excited last year for some reason than I was this am now, but. Maybe that's because I thought the Buffalo Bills last year had a better talented roster. Look at all those guys that, that let, look at all those star receivers that left Buffalo. They're doing great in other teams on other teams. The Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills haven't had a star receiver since Andre Reid. That's that's not true. That's wrong. Well, that, you'd be wrong on not that. Not only is it true, it's a fact. No, that's wrong. Okay. That would be wrong on that end. I, I, I don't I, I think that's wrong. Andre Reed was good but, but come on, you know. we we've had stars after Reed. Who? Don Beebe? Who? Don Beebe? Who? I don't even know who that is. Don Levy. Don Levy. No no no. Not, oh Don, Don Beebe. Beebe, no. Beebe. Yeah, Don Beebe was good. Uh what Watkins. Watkins was good. Watkins was, was, Watkins was good. Eric Moles was good. And okay. He had Eric one good Moles year. was good. He had a good year, one year. You know, Terrell Owens was good. He was a star. He, he wasn't like that. He wasn't on the bill. He even played on that team. Yeah, he did. He played. All right. Terrell Owens played I'm, for us, yep. Yeah, eight games? I, <laughs> <laughs> he still plays for us, though. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, and I like I liked Lee Evans. I thought Lee Evans was good until he got hurt and retired, and now he's working as. I like Lee Evans too, but he was, uh, you know, it's one thing to think somebody's number one receiver. You know, but but I gotta say though, but I gotta say though, I think I think we're looking I think we're looking into this as as different in different perspectives. But I also I also think that you know once once the dust settles and the smoke's clear, I I think it's safe to say that like I said that Bills are going to be eight and eight. I think. I mean, if they go if they win, it'll surprise me. And by the way, why don't we give McDermott a hand? I haven't heard anybody say about McDermott. He's great. He's a great coach. Great guy. Hey, listen, they're doing good so far, but we'll see what happens. It's a long season. But I want to thank you guys. Keith, thanks for coming on, as always. No a great job with the picks. You know, thank you for everything today. Mike, thanks for coming on, talking bills. Hey, uh, when, you speak to Bernie nice Nichols, hey, when you speak to Bernie Nichols, make sure you guys bring up about my man, Jack Eichel. How about Jack Eichel getting a lot of money? Buffalo, baby. Weren't you, you an Islander fan last year? 
I'm a Buffalo. See, that's that's a that's a bad situation I'm, no, because I'm, I'm a Buffalo Bill. I'm a Buffalo Bill fan, so I have to go with Buffalo Sabres. All right, Mike. I'll speak to you next week. Oh, uh, we'll talk to you, PD. Good luck this week. Who are you guys playing this week? All right, all right. That was Magic Mike and uh, PDV. It was a nice, healthy debate we had there. We have Mr. Burger on right now. We're going to do some hockey. What's up, Mr. Burger? Hey, 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 Mr. Burger. Hockey's back. Mr. Burger's back. Yes, and now joining us is. He's a good friend of the show, our man Bernie Nichols. What's going on, Bernie? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Doing, doing great, good. Doing Bernie. good. Pleasure, pleasure having you on again. Pleasure having having to have an opportunity to speak to you again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Bernie. Thanks for coming on today. So here we are, another hockey season underway. Right, a crazy start to the season. Obviously, what I want to talk to you first is I know you're out there. How does it feel with the Las Vegas team out there? Are they excited about the team out in Vegas? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to start for them last night. Um, you know, especially in Dallas. Dallas is a really good hockey team, but it just shows, you know, with an expansion team, how competitive the Vegas Knights are. You know, great goaltending. they got some uh, some skilled players up front. So, uh, really exciting to see and, and, and really happy for Las Vegas from what they've been going through in the last – week uh, to get their mind off that for a, a couple hours and come out victorious. I think that was a good start for, a, you know, hopefully a, a long, uh, a, a good long year for, for the Vegas Knights. Yeah, and I, yeah, I believe it's Mr. Burgle was just I, I, talking I, I, about it this morning about how how James Neal is a nice, you know, he's probably the best offensive player right now, and he's a nice you know, a good offensive player. And he came through last night for them in his first game, you know, in their first game. And Flurry, like you said, came up big and behind the net with 45 saves last night. So, you know, yeah, the I, two veterans stepped up for them. And I believe no, that uh, the, the Vegas Knights uh, last night, they were the first expansion team to win their first game since uh, like 25 or 30 years ago, I forgot who the other expansion team that came into the league at the time, but uh, I, I read uh, quickly uh, an excerpt somewhere that they were the first expansion team to, to win their first game, um, uh, you know, as, as a new franchise. So congratulations to them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and with not, everything not going beating, on, obviously, not, not, not beating – yeah, not you know, be, not beating very a nice slouch them, team you know? in Dallas. Yeah, not beating a uh, a slouch team in Dallas. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, you know, obviously, like I was saying, everything going on in Las Vegas, you know, with the you know the tragedy from the week, you know, sometimes you need that for everybody to get away and get to back to you know get to sports to take their mind off of things. And it was nice, you know. I seen the players talking about it in the locker room after the game yesterday. That you know they really wanted to do it for the city too. So it was really it was it was nice to see. It really was. Yeah. So you know, just looking also around the league, like just some stuff I noticed early in the year. Obviously, there's a lot of hat tricks going on already in this, right? I mean, that, there was four opening night. I think there's been six or seven already this year. It seems scoring is at like a maximum right now, and. uh uh, Bernie, a couple of things. Like, what do you think? Like, how do you, like, obviously players like Connor McDavid, I mean, it's just unbelievable, right? What we're seeing here with this kid. 
No, absolutely. Um, you know, as a player, and especially as an offensive player, you know, you always want to – that first goal of the year is always so important, and you, and you want to get it, obviously, as soon as possible. Uh, but for the guys that scored three goals, and they're all uh, the elite players of, of our game. So, you know, I know Connor, after being the MVP last year, wanted to get off to a good start, and, and obviously he couldn't get off to a better start. Uh, I expect nothing but great things from him this year. He's so – He's so talented. He's so fast. Ovechkin, you know, um, he's always been able to score goals, but same thing. Everybody's waiting for him to, to slow down while he's telling you right now and early in the season that he's not slowing down anytime soon. So for him to get off to a big start like that, I think it's great. So, uh, you know, kudos to the guys that, that got three. Uh, what a start to a, a great season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, also, like, you had opening night, you had even guys, Wayne Simmons, a hat-trick, right, Brandon said with a hat-trick. I mean, it's just it's amazing. The scoring is really – looks like it's going to be maybe up this year, right, around the league. It looks like – I mean, there's so many talented players around the league, especially young players. Well, you know, yeah, no question. And and for Brandon Saad, he, he goes back to Chicago. So, you know, after being traded, he comes back, and obviously – He's excited to get off to a good start. When they brought the, brought him back, he was a big part of their last Stanley Cup they won. Uh, then he, he got traded. So for him to come back, you know, he obviously wanted to get off to a big start. He did. So, you know, obviously goal scoring is up right now. It's just the first game for most, but there's been a lot of goals scored. A couple shutouts. Uh, you know, Jonathan Quick gets a shutout, so goaltending still good. But for the most part, uh Fans want to see a lot of goals, and, and uh, the players have not let them down, you know, so far opening night. I mean, Chicago, right, 10-1 to 1 over Pittsburgh the other night. That was, like, crazy to see that. So I was just like, whoa, when I, you know. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's a reflection of uh, – <clears throat> I think that's a reflection of uh, Chicago uh, during the off season. Uh, taking a step back and taking a reflection uh, to see, you know, what went wrong in those, you know, in those in those couple of years between their championship years and their uh, uh, what people started to think was the demise or the downturn of the franchise. And I think it was a very smart move by the organization to bring some familiar faces back, such as Brandon Saad, such as Patrick Sharp even though, you know, he's older. Uh, but just to bring those uh, players back into the locker room that had that chemistry, and as we all know, that chemistry is a huge part of any successful team, uh, you know, whether you're a superstar or you're a role player, you know, the chemistry that you have as the players in the locker room, on the ice, as a unit, I think that Chicago uh, did a, a very good job by, uh, you know, they traded a good talent in, in Panan, uh, Pananarin uh, to get Brendan Saad. But I think it was a smart move to bring back some of the older, you know, some of the players that they had previous successes with to try to, you know, unite that chemistry back into not only in the locker room, but it would reflected on the ice with a 10-1 route over the, you know, championship Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
Chicago seems to make all the right moves, right? I mean, Chicago is just a well-oiled machine. And obviously Pittsburgh is still the defending champions. And, you know, I, I just think uh, also Pittsburgh did play back-to-back nights, right? So not that that's an excuse to lose 10-1, to 1, but they did play back-to-back nights there. And they had to go to Murray two nights in a row, which was crazy, too. But another well, listen, Murray, Murray, Murray's a 22, you know, what is he, 22, 23? You know, a 22, 23-year-old goaltender, he should be able to handle back-to-back nights. You know, yeah, like, Murray didn't you know, start, not, though. They, they didn't start Murray. He they didn't start, the yeah, Murray, he, came in, he came in. Murray had to come in after uh, the other kid get lit up, so. That's just Nimi. a little bit of yeah, a panic up started, right? Yeah, Niemi yeah, started, yeah. Hey, so, Bernie, looking at it, too, like, it's good It is good, like, to see teams like Toronto and Edmonton now with their young stars getting better and, and getting back into, you know, being some of the top teams possibly, in, you know, in their conferences finally, right? I mean, it's been a long time for both those franchises. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, both obviously proud franchises uh, have – um, you know, dominated uh, over periods of of uh, time, but they've had had some lulls in the last few years, and you know, with some couple first round draft choices and and uh, some real good picks. I think both teams are are young, very talented. Uh, you know, I think these two franchises are going to be good now for a, a few years. Yeah, yeah, I would even go say probably for the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no question. I mean, you got McDavid and Austin Matthews, right, leading the, leading, leading, leading the charge for the years to come. And then you see a guy like Jack yeah. Eichel, right, get a big deal already, eight years, $80 million deal, right, already. So they're obviously throwing it all on him now for Buffalo, too, to, to turn into this you know, one of those teams, you know? Yeah, Buffalo got yeah. some good young kids there, too. Um, yeah. You know, they they got, uh, obviously, a few more holes to fill than, say, Toronto or, or Edmonton. But, you know, Jack's very talented player. Uh, I think they've obviously wanted to lock him in long-term and, and build around him, which is good. So I think we'll just see what happens you know, in the next couple draft uh, years or if they can make some deals to kind of shore up some, some major holes that they have in, on their team. Yeah, like you said, that you build it through the draft and then hope to add a couple of, you know, maybe a couple of good veteran free agents and then that puts you over the top and then, you know, maybe you could start being a consistent, you know, team in, in the conference. What do you also right. think about the how do you feel about the Rangers this year? Thinking of the local teams here, what do you think about uh, the Rangers? I think the Rangers are going to be good again. Um, you know, they still got a lot of their main core players back. Uh, it usually always comes down to goaltending. Uh, to me, defense and goaltending win Stanley Cups. Uh, you watch back in the day with the Devils arguably the best goalie in the league, best defense. They won three cups. Uh, the New York Islanders, when they won four in a row, as, as much as they had, you know, Trache and Bossy for offense, you know, they were more of a defensive-oriented team, good goaltending. So uh, I think that's key. And, you know, New York's got good defense. 
their goalie can be one of the best goalies in the world. So I think if they all play the way they're capable of playing, they they got a lot of skill up front too. So I expect New York to have a, a great season again. Yeah, it's funny because you live here, well, we live in New York here, and and it's like you lose open at night and everybody's panicking already after one game. It's just it's almost funny. Like it's one game, everybody needs to relax. It's well, open I, at night. Well, and, I, you know, I, I think it's just a lot of the hype that is it, it's it's that we lost the first game to the Colorado Avalanche who right yeah, now yeah. you know is the slump of the NHL considered the slump of you know the swamp of the NHL and we lose opening night to Colorado Avalanche and, uh, you know, the, the New York media frenzy starts on there. We should have done this. We should have done that. We should have done this. Personally, I think Jeff Gordon has done a wonderful job since taking over. Uh, I think he's leading the team in the, in the right direction. Uh, he's made some very good trades, in my opinion, uh, signed some key free, you know, unrestricted uh, college free agents um, that are our key uh, that are a key part of our our team right now. Um, I think he's done a wonderful job, and uh, I'm very happy. You know, at first a little bit disappointed with the trade that we made with Derek Saban, but. You know, it took me a couple of days just to analyze the trade, and the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I think it was a brilliant move. And you know what also is very tough, guys, is, you know, especially for New York. New York, not that they got to the finals. They did, you know, in in 2014. But they've had long playoff runs for for the last few years. And and I, I watched it with L.A. L.A. wins the Stanley Cup and don't make the playoffs the next year. And, you know, they won two out of uh, three years, the Kings did. And every year, the, the regular season is, is basically terrible. You know, it, it's so tough for, for players, you know, and, and it's tough to say this, but it's such a long season. And uh, play out, the players know that the regular season does not mean a thing. The LA yeah. Kings, they, they just squeaked into the playoffs in 2012 and win the Cup. You know, right. uh, there would be, 2014. There would, there would be yeah, 2014. I think they finished like six or something like that, and, and they win the cup. It's like uh, the regular season. As much as it's it's for the fans, it's for the players. It's tough sometimes, and uh, you know, especially teams that have, have had long runs uh, in the playoffs. It, they, it, it's such a disappointment when when they lose that they just can't wait to get back to the playoffs and you know yeah they got to play 80 games to get there but I mean uh an opening night you know regardless who you play uh sometimes it just doesn't go your your way you know you look at uh everybody's a football fan Tom Brady gets beat opening night and he's the worst quarterback in the league you know they should start the other guy uh you know he's too old uh you know their team's not going to do very well again you know like I don't know what year it was. They get beat by Buffalo Bills 30 to nothing or something like that opening night, and they win the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's uh, it's funny. I know I know media, they have to dissect games. They have to 
give their opinions and they know best. Obviously we all know that, uh, you know, and, um, but it is what it is. New York's going to be fine. New York, they have a great team. They have great leadership, which is key regardless who you lose to, you know, anybody can beat anybody in, in any given night. You know, that's the great thing about sports. You know, you look at baseball yeah. last night. I'm assuming we're all Yankee fans. Like that's just devastating. You know, you're up yeah. three, the game's over, you know, that's sports. It ain't over till it's over. And, uh, so well, I mean, funny. we were talking about that in the beginning of the show, the Yankee game, the Yankee fans were calling in, ready to fire Girardi, ready to, you know, all this stuff. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's just a tough game. It's a tough loss, but you, you know, it happens. It's, Part of sports. I mean, we've all been through it. All teams in all sports have been through losses like that. You know, it's just well, part of the game. I mean, like I, I know he's kicking himself today, but I mean, you know, you know, you you would challenge that regardless. Like, why why wouldn't you even you know even if you you seen it hit him, you know, or at least you thought it did, you you'd still challenge that. And I know it's you know it's Monday morning quarterback. We we all know that now, but I mean there wouldn't be a reason not to. Like, I don't even know why that wouldn't even cross their mind. And, and there had to be scouts or, or other people in the booth watching that thing and, and calling down immediately or something like, you know, what's going on here, you know, and, and they don't do it. So, yeah, there was no it could cost, them, could cost them the series. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's too that, bad. He gets, they put him at first, next guy hits a grand slam, it's 8-7, it's a whole new game all of a sudden, right? So, that's... Well, they're out of the inning, right? They're out of the inning. Yeah. That, 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 well, they actually said by what, rule. That's what's sad about by that. Rule, when you, by rule, so if they would have challenged it, Bernie, by rule, I seen the rule this morning. So if they challenged the yeah. play, they couldn't have called him out. He still would have been up. They wouldn't have called him out. They would have just called it a foul ball because they can't call him out on a replay challenge, which I think is stupid too. But by rule, he would have still been in the adapter guy, but it just wouldn't have been a hit by hit. You know, he would have it would just been a, a foul ball. Well, you know, still that's a better chance than. Hey guys, I thought this was the hockey talk show. Yeah, uh, it is, but we're just we're, we're talking about. Uh, we had to bring up something big, obviously something big that happened in the city. But uh, back to hockey, you know. Uh, so, Bernie, what do you, what are some teams maybe you think this year could be surprises in the NHL? Wow, you know it's early. Um, um, but, you know, I think Dallas is going to be much better this year. Uh, they've got a great goaltender. They, they they haven't had a goalie there in a long time. I think that's a team that's going to, going to do well. Um, you know, your, your core teams, you know, Chicago does well every year. At least you, you, you expect them to, um, you know, in the East there, uh, you know, Philly get off to a good start. Uh, be interesting to see how, how Jersey does. Uh, I think they're still a, a few years away. Um, you know, Columbus looks good. Uh, you know, Nashville, you look at the teams that done well last year, and for the most part, some of them are getting off to, to slow starts, but it kind of goes back to what I said before. It's, it, it's such a tough way to get back up. Um and start the season over again. You know, you mentioned Toronto and, and, and Edmonton. You know, I think 
and there's and there's a big difference too, right? With a, a veteran team and a young team, you know, young young players they're they're full of piss and vinegar. You know, they're ready to roll all the time. And I think Toronto yeah. added Patrick Marlowe to to their team. That's going to add some serious leadership. Uh, super player. Um, yeah, I love I love that signing for Toronto. I think that was he had yeah. two goals, excellent, right? The first game, excellent he had two goals opening. Yeah, yeah, he scored yeah. two goals in the first game. Yeah, and he's still I think fast. Tor- I think I, th- I think Tor- I think that was the type of player that Toronto actually perfect fit. Marlowe is a, you know, he's a very, you know, um, how should I say it? He's a He's a quiet leader, you know. He's, he's a quiet not a leader. Mark, exactly yeah, he's, he, he, yeah, he's not a Mark Messier who's going to stand up and and give that, you know, that that big speech in the locker room. But uh, you know, his play on the ice, his demeanor in the locker room, uh, and the respect that he has around the league, and uh, you know, having that experience rub off on all these young Toronto players. I think is I think that was a huge signing for Toronto. I love that signing for Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you, yeah, I think you look at any of these, be good again. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm saying when you look at any of these young teams that are up and coming, signing a veteran like that is so key, right? To get on that roster and in that locker room with these young players, it's just it's, it's so key. I think, you know, to get the right guy in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that you know, leadership is, is so important uh, for young kids in any sport, um, and you know, for the most part, Toronto hasn't had that uh, as much as good as their young players are, and some of them are leaders, which is great. Uh, you still need that leadership presence in the dressing room, uh, off the ice, teaching kids the right way of doing things. Uh, you know, even in Edmonton. Uh, you know, they got some really skilled young players. If they could ever get a really solid number one defenseman, you know, and then a, an elderly player, uh, older player for, for leadership, I think that team would make some serious damage. Yeah. Right. Let me ask you, when you, know, you, I, when I you have, first came in a league, I'm sorry, go ahead, Lonnie. No, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna agree with Bernie in terms of, uh, you know, they got Adam Larson last year for Hall. I think that was a great addition for them. Uh, Larson is, you know, not a household name, but a very excellent stay-at-home defenseman and is given a lot less credit than what he deserves. Um, he's not that superstar caliber defenseman. Uh, he's not that upper echelon, but he does bring stability to that uh, to the uh, to the blue line. Uh, he does add that level of confidence um, to his forwards, knowing that he's defensively sound, and that's that's huge when it comes to uh, you know in the game of hockey when your forwards know that um, you know you have responsible defensemen to, you know, sometimes cover up your mistakes that you may uh, make in the, you know, in the defensive zone or in the neutral zone, you know, that, uh, you know, it it puts the offensive mind players, the offensive players a little bit at more 
at ease as far as playing because they're not so tense of, oh, my God, uh, you know, am I going to turn the puck over? Is the, is the coach going to bench me? Or, you know, playing tense is not playing. Playing relaxed is, is, is when your, your talent uh, really comes out and shines. And you know what? And then that's right. They they did that. That trade was, was good for Edmonton. Uh, Larson's a good defenseman. He's probably, you know, three or four. He's not that number one. What I'm saying for Edmonton, for them to get to where they need to be, I think they still need that that number one defenseman. Uh, and that, and that trust me, that'll be so tough to get because the teams that have those. They, they don't give them away, right? So, uh, but that that's kind of what they're missing there. I think their goaltender's good enough. He's he's played really well for them all year, like all last year. Obviously, starting off with a shutout. Uh, but to me, Edmonton to be the elite team in the league, they they still need that. They got a good group of defensemen, but they don't have that that rock solid. You know, Scotty Niedermeyer, that, that uh, anchor, yeah, that anchor guy. You know, uh, Drew Doughty, uh, Weber, those those guys that just and trust me, you know, they're not. There's not that many out there. Uh, we we got a lot of super defensemen in the league, but uh, and most teams are going to keep the those ones. But I mean, that's to me all that that team's lacking right now to be in the best team in the league. Yeah, and a, and like you said, a nice veteran presence and forward or something too in there to add to that. To that That's right, room. like a like a Marlow, you know, uh, yeah. Joe Thornton, something like that. Thornton, I was just gonna uh, say just, Thornton too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even a Ginla, you know. I know, you know, uh, something like that. Like I know when he went to LA and it was the end of his career. Uh, still a huge leader still like and not that LA needed it because they they have a lot of you know they won a couple cups and they have a lot of leaders but like a team like Edmonton uh like I would pick him up just to have him around the players and he can still probably play you know but just to have him around the team like there's there's no substitute for for leadership older players for younger players there's just not no, I agree. And you just wanted to die yeah. in there teaching your young guys how to do it the right way and, how to, you know, how to prepare themselves and just all that stuff. And that's, you know, invaluable lessons to learn that these young players to learn. And they all could use it. Bernie, I want to ask you, when you, when you came in the league, what were a couple of the players that were key for you, like veteran players that were key for your career? You know what? For me, and and I've said this different times, it is so hard for for young players coming in the league. You, you got to remember, and and I remember like it was yesterday, and I, it was actually the next player back in the day. Uh, Brian Watson told me that, you know, as, as young players get drafted, for the most part, you, you got to go steal somebody's job, right? So yeah, obviously, those players aren't going to welcome you on the team. They're not going to. Uh, you know, take you out, show you the ropes. It's it's the older players. And for me, Mike Murphy, uh, Charlie Simmer were two guys that kind of took me under their wing. Uh, you know, for the most part, the older players know 
that, you know, a young kid's coming up. This guy's really going to help our team. You know, we, we got to help him out here. Uh, but you're not going to get that from, from the younger guys or guys that, you know, you may be stealing their job, right? So um, those players were, but, were really helpful you, for me. You, you know something, Bernie? Uh, I, I think, uh, and I, I know that we touched upon this uh, the last time that we were on the phone. Uh, I think the, you know, the development of the NHL has changed so much so that when you first came into the league, yeah, you're 100% right. You literally did have to steal a veteran's job. But these kids that are coming into the league this year are not only as good, but even better than the veterans on the team. So it's yeah, almost true. like it, it, it's almost like a, rever- a reversal where the veteran actually now has to steal the job from the young kid. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Nowadays, guys are getting drafted to a team that there's a spot already for them. Part right, and, and that's in any yeah. sport. You're gonna when, when it's well, you know, for the most part, they say you pick the best player available at. at in the draft, right? Whether you're loaded in that position or not, you, you probably want to do that. But, you know, for the most part, you're still picking a player that you need in, in whatever position it is. And, and you see that with, with most sports, right? Whatever you need. So chances are good that kid's going to come in. And, and even as a, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, uh, they're wanting him to play right away. Unless it was like the old Montreal Canadiens, they were so deep. Everybody that get drafted there, they, they went to the minors regardless who they were because their team was so good. Um, it, it took a few years for you to crack that line up. Yeah. And then once you get settled in and then you're like, you become the veteran, how are you How are you towards the younger players later in your career? Like you were welcoming, right? You tried to help out whoever you could, right? No, absolutely. I've always said, you know, you, you got to give back. And – uh I knew how important it was for me. I knew how tough it was coming into the league. You're 18-year-old kid. Maybe the first time you've ever left home, you know. Uh, it, it, it was helpful for me. So I just knew going in that I was going to welcome the kid and help him out any way possible. And, you know, you see that when, when Sidney Crosby come in the league. He lived with Mario Lemieux. At his house. Yeah. Right. Mario knew how important it was. He knew how valuable this kid was going to be to his team, to his franchise. He's going to do whatever he can to make him comfortable, feel at home, get him, uh, you know, get him in the game as soon as possible or as most comfortable as possible to get the best out of him. So it it just shows the importance of that and, and you see it in different, and it happens more than you think. A lot of times, uh, players take kids in and uh, let them live with them for a while. Yeah, and early in your career, when you you know when you first went to LA and everything, and and, and you started playing when you played with uh, Gretzky, right? You and Gretzky were pretty close, right? And you played you know a lot of times practicing and a lot of just spent a lot of time together, right, on the ice and off the ice and stuff like that. Absolutely, I spent. Uh pretty much every day with Wayne. Uh, we'd go to lunch after. We would, uh, on the road, we'd, we'd hang together. And, and a great story with Edmonton, 
and this is just shows you how tight teams are, uh, the camaraderie with, with players and stuff. I was told early in, in Wayne's career, for the most part, they were mostly all single guys, but there was married guys on the team too. They'd go on a road trip, and in Edmonton, you know, a 10-day road trip is just a normal road trip for them. They'd come back off the road, and the whole team would go out to a bar for a beer or something, you know, and instead of going home to your family, that's how close that team was. And, and, and you see great teams, they're so close. Players are, are it's brothers. They're, they're just a family. And to, to see that, you know, it just shows how, how important that is for, for players and teams that, uh, you know, you take care of one another, you hang with one another all the time. And to see that when, when you're on the road for so long and, and they come back and they still go out together before they go home, that's, that just shows how tight-knit team that, that they were. And a lot of teams are like that. And those are usually the teams that have a lot of success, right? When they're tight knit like that, and they're all they're there for each other, and they're, you know, those are the teams that usually have the most success, and you know, stay together for a while, and you know, able to accomplish right. some things. Yes, yeah. You see teams that, you know, they get clicks. They got three guys going this way, four guys going that way, two guys here, other guys in the, in the room don't go out. You know, that's not a, a close net team. That team's chance are good aren't going to be successful. Yes. So, Bish, looking at the season now, this season, what, what's your, both of you guys, what's your, uh, start with you, Bernie, what's your uh, prediction? Like, who's your favorites this year? Like, who would you expect to see in, in the Stanley Cup this year? I mean, obviously a lot can happen from now and then, but if you had to pick the two teams you think right now, from each com- one team from each conference that you think is probably the favorite to go right now, who would you who would you go with? Well, you know, I've always said until someone knocks you off, you're, you're still the Stanley Cup champs. Uh, until they get knocked off, they still will always be my pick. Uh, when you got the greatest player in the league, maybe in the world, you got a chance to win every night. Um, like you said, it's a long season. And one thing about Pittsburgh is you you just know that it's their time. They won two. Come the deadline, if there's some holes to fill, uh, you know they're going to do that because their time to, to win the Cup is still right now. So they're going to do whatever they have to do to, to make that possible. So to me, it's still Pittsburgh um, in, the, in the West. To me, or sorry, the East. To me, uh, Edmonton, Chicago, uh, in the West are still probably the, the are going to be the teams to beat out there. You know, but you can still get surprises like last year. Uh, as good as um, Nashville played, they can be there right again because of goaltending. You know, to me, yeah. I've always said if you got a good goaltender, the LA Kings. To me. Jonathan Quick's as good a goalie as there is in the world, so that always gives him an opportunity to win. Um, so and he's already won, right? So he knows how to win. He's already won the big one. He's won two of them and was the yeah. MVP in the first one, and honestly was still the best player in the second one. But uh, so they're going to be right there if they make the proper moves. I don't think they're as deep as say Edmonton or or Chicago, but they still got the better goalie. So 
but to me, like I say, until someone knocks Pittsburgh off, I just think that they're too good. And, and, and like I said, uh, come playoff time, they will add puzzle uh, to, to give them the best opportunity to win. And going in, their goaltender's great. They got Sid. Uh, to me, it's still the team team to beat. Yeah, you know, know what's going to be interesting to see if a team like Edmonton goes and makes that big move at the trade deadline. If they well, have a chance, what? right? And they can too, because you know, but Edmonton's probably this isn't their time yet, more or less. Uh, it's coming, so whether they they wouldn't probably go rent a player or give up much of their future to have an opportunity because they probably still feel their their cup is maybe a year or two away but you know saying that they if somebody is available that's not really going to cost them much and I'm sure they will and if they if they know the cup's right there and they could add you know a player that's not going to hurt their future then they would probably do that too. Yeah, I guess if like you said, it depends how close they feel they are right now, right? If they're going to really right. go make that big, big move, That's or right. do they play it out, yeah. wait the two another year or two, so they're really ready, get a nice free agent or two in the next couple of years, and then really go for it? Yes, for four or five years, and not just one. Where you exactly, know, yeah. That's what that's what uh, Pittsburgh's doing. They've already won two. Uh, so their window of opportunity is still right now. So they're going to do whatever they have to for the next couple years to, to maybe win a couple more. Yeah. Yeah. You can like I have, about earlier. I, 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 yeah, no, I just, I want to just chime in and I, I, I happen to agree with Bernie as far as the East is concerned. Um, you know, you're not going to be the best until you beat the best. And right now, I would probably say, you know, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh's back-to-back, and they're the team to beat in the East right now. Um, the yeah. West, uh, the West, I feel, is a little bit wide open. Um, I do like, like, like I mentioned before, I like the changes and some of the old uh, players that Chicago brought back. So I think they will be a force again in the West Edmonton. Um, I happen to agree with Bernie. They definitely need that solid number one, or at least a, maybe not a one a, or maybe not, but definitely a one B or an, or uh, a two plus plus a defenseman. Um, I think their best trade chip right now is uh, Nugent Hopkins. I don't think they have a really a need for him anymore. Um, but I'm sure that uh, I'm, I'm sure that he's been shipped, uh, you know, shopped around the NHL, and uh, obviously teams are not willing to give up, um, you know, what what the demands are for him because he hasn't lived up to his expectations during, you know, from his draft year. Um, but I think, uh, another huge thing to mention is not only Connor McDavid, but locking up, uh, Dreisaitl for the next eight years, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. 
I think that was also a huge move by Edmonton to lock him up on a on an eight year contract because I think he's to me he's just important to that franchise as Connor McDavid. It's just like Crosby and Malcolm, right? Like you need that one two punch every there you go. every good yeah, team. Gretzky you go. Messier, you know, like you need you need that one two punch, uh, and they they have that, and that's what they need, and and you kind of build around that. You know, I think it's always been good goaltending, one big defenseman, and your big centerman, and then you kind of build around that. And they need, they have the the two big centermen, so I think that was really smart by them as as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say I think Pittsburgh, Chicago is is going to be my prediction. I just think both of those teams are just you know, well, you know, experience in these situations. Like obviously Chicago has multiple cups as well. And I, I just think we could see a battle there, but it wouldn't shock me if a team like Edmonton or one of these teams, you know, or, or any team, a team like LA gets a goaltender hot and they make a run all of a sudden, you know, could happen That's as right. well. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, before I go for I do want to ask you one other thing. If you want to talk about your all sports market quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to the fans out I there. Well, it's perfect time. Um, the season's just starting again for hockey. Uh, we have the only real money sports stock market. You can buy and sell your favorite sports teams. You can invest in your favorite sports teams. You can buy shares in them for as little as two dollars and fifty cents. Uh, it's fun. You can, you know, there, there's nothing where you can kind of watch your investment perform every night. So by doing that, you go to allsportsmarket.com, buy shares in any sports team. Uh, every win, you get paid dividends on your wins, and you can sell and trade them whenever you want. So it's a pretty cool concept. And it's all sports. It's not just hockey. It's every sport you could go in. And That's go. right, every sport. Yeah, it's yeah. really pretty cool. There's nothing like That's it cool out there. Concept. And it's not fantasy, and it's not gambling. It's a legitimate stock market. You can hold on to it for as long as you want. Your investment doesn't expire like a, a bet. It's definitely not gambling. So uh, it, it's really pretty cool. So it's all yeah, sports. It's all sports. There's an app out there you can put on your phone. Go to it whenever you want. Uh, so it, it's pretty neat. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, for all you people, all you, I know a lot of people listen, they play the stock market. I mean, what, what's not to invest in your own teams and have some fun rooting for your own teams? And, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a lot of, do you play fantasy? Do you play any fantasy sports, Bernie? I do not. You know, to me, and, and the main reason is if, if I can't, like, if, if my team's playing tonight and I don't have any players on it, I only players I could get are from another team. You know, how do I root against my team to to lose, right? So yeah. with with all sports market, you invest in whatever team you want. You invest in your favorite team. But the cool thing about it is, you know, you, you have it in your team, but you look around the league. If you think a team's going to do well, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, buy shares in them. You can hold on to them for as long as you want. 
if, if you think a team's going to do real well, invest in them. Every time they win, they're making you money. Meanwhile, you still have shares in your own team. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and like if a team, let's say a team's doing really bad and it's like, you know, they're going to turn it around. It's a good time to invest in them, right? You get them at the right time when they get hot, right? Well, or something like that. You know, the easiest thing is, and I say this this all the time, like you're a baseball fan. Say you're a New York Yankees fan, whatever. You got, you got shares in the Yankees. You look around the league. Can you imagine if you bought shares in Cleveland when they went on their run, right? Yeah. They, they win like how many in a row? 22 in a row. You're getting paid. You're getting paid dividends every time they win, but that's just that's the cool thing about all sports market is you get to play GM, you get to look around the league, you know. Like I say, you may not be a Cleveland fan, but you go, holy geez, this looks like they they got some bad teams coming in here. They might do well, you know. Invest in them. There's a couple yeah. uh, teams that went on real good runs this year. If if you see that coming, invest in them. You know, you look around the, the hockey league, you you see a team that you know, maybe has a 10-day homestand with, you know, kind of bad teams coming in. They may not be your favorite team, but invest in them for 10 days. They they win 9 out of 10. Their shares go up. Turn around, sell their shares. Meanwhile, you collected money uh, on dividends, and, you know, you still have your your investment in your, your favorite team. So uh, it, it's really pretty cool. Yeah, and it's very – it's not expensive. It's not – you know, you don't have to – Put you know too much money. You could just do it for fun, basically, and you know with a little money involved. But if you don't have to go crazy if you don't want to either, right? So it's not like you know. And we actually you, have you know, a free side as well. We have both. There's ASM yeah, so free. You can try it out too. When, when you right, go in there, so. yep, you can play on the free side. You get like twenty five hundred dollars of free money. You can play on the free side, and then if you want to uh, invest in the the real side, do that too. But you, you have to remember, it's not gambling. You, you know, your team can lose 10 in a row. You don't lose your investment. You know, if, if you're picking a team for a long term, which you can, like I said, if we started this thing a couple of years ago when the Edmonton Oilers drafted Connor McDavid, everybody knew what kind of a player he was going to be. You may not be an Oilers fan, but you buy shares in them, hold on to them for a couple of years, those shares are going to double or triple in a couple of years because this kid's so good. And, you, yeah. you know, you're sitting there making money on a team that, you know, it's not your favorite team. Meanwhile, you got shares in your favorite team. So the concept's brilliant. Yeah, it really is. Well, Bernie, I want to thank you for coming on. Great job, as always, talking hockey with us. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on, as always. And we we'll definitely look forward to having you on again in the future. You got it. Absolutely. You guys have a great day. Absolutely. Thank you so thank much, you, Bernie. Man. Thank yeah. you. Enjoy your, enjoy your weekend. You got it. Thank you. Thank you. Bernie Nichols, former NHL great, joining us on the show. Great job by Bernie, as always, covering a bunch of different hockey subjects, as always, making some predictions. Good guy, right? Good conversation, Len. Yeah, awesome. Awesome awesome guy. Was an awesome player, awesome teammate. Yeah. Just just an overall, just just the kind of guy that you want on your team. He's he's just that type of guy. He he's and the type of guy. He really you gives you great team. perspective of the sport. When you know he's very good, you know very good analyst. He gives you good stuff. You know, like the way he breaks things down. I love I love hearing his old stories. With, you know when he played with Gretzky too. How he just you know how they 
play work together and how they work together on and off the ice. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, Len, I want to, you know, I want to yeah. thank you for coming on too. I know you got to go. I know you got to you know, you got to play football game. So good luck to Sean. I hope it's a big game today. And uh, enjoy it. Go enjoy it. And thanks for coming on as always. Yeah, you figure. I've been pumping hockey into him for eight years, and here I am at a flag football game. So, I know you. I know you. You'd be even more. You'd be upset if it was baseball instead of hockey. <laughs> uh, you know what? As, as long as he's active and he's playing sports, and you know, I. Yeah, I'm a. It's not even about the fun. It's just about building the camaraderie and. And 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 you know and and learning how to work within a team environment, how to work yes. with others, you know I think that's more yeah. important than you know than the actual physical exercise uh, itself that they're getting, you know playing these sports. It's it's just learning to, you know, uh, come together as a team, learning learning how to how to be a team, how to play together, how to you know I think it's a very important lesson you know, for future, for life. So uh, whatever he chooses to do, if it's flag football, golf, baseball, hockey, you know, I'm all for it as long as, well, not golf, but, you know, more of a team-oriented <laughs> sport where, yeah, team. You, know, it's, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, go enjoy it. And next week we'll we'll talk more hockey next week. Absolutely. Season has started. Burgers back, what? and we'll have our Burgers we'll back. have we'll our week back next week too. And uh, you know, we'll have our hockey panel next week. One hundred percent. We're here. We're here. We're ready to go, and uh, let's get things kicked off. Let's do it. All right, man. All Thank right. you. Go enjoy the game. I'll speak to you. You got it. Thank you very much, Ant. You're welcome, man. Bye. All right. Mr. Berger, a hockey analyst, doing a great job with him, him, Bernie Nichols, on. We're doing a little NHL season preview, talking about all the teams around the league, so some good stuff with our man Bernie Nichols and uh, Mr. Berger today. So I want to thank them both for coming on. And uh, we're going to take a quick commercial. When we come back, we're going to take some phone calls, talk some baseball, football, hockey, whatever you guys want to talk. You know, some more Yankee fans might want to call in and talk more about the game last night. We definitely will do some of that. But first, we're going to take a, a commercial break, in which we have a proud new sponsor of Totally Driven Entertainment. He's funny, he's wacky, he's crazy, and he's totally driven. Check out Chris Fraley presents Com. I'm Black Man, saving man's eyes, one stereotype at a time. To the Black Mobile. To the corner of Martin Luther King Street and Malcolm X Boulevard, pronto. Will black man make it to the crime on time? Or will he be on CPT? Stay tuned at ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? 
Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from Holmes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza, $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember... $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. Welcome back to the Mojo Sports Show. It's been a great show so far. Obviously, we just had Bernie Nichols on, former NHL great Bernie Nichols, on the show talking hockey about the 2017-18 season ahead. And uh, Mr. Berger was on with us as well talking hockey, so great hockey segment. 
We did a lot of football earlier with PDV, a great football segment with PDV. Their magic might come on. That was pretty entertaining as we were all debating, heavy debate on football. And earlier in the show, obviously, we had a lot of baseball talk and a lot of Yankee talk, and uh, a lot of Yankee fans were upset early in the show. So we definitely got about a half hour left in the show. We're definitely taking some calls, 718-508-9883. If any Yankee fans or football fans or hockey fans want to call in and talk, we're taking some calls. And, you know, looking, just wanted to take a quick look at uh, what we got today. So we're looking around, the, you know, for the baseball schedule. Obviously, the two American League teams are off today after last night. I'm gonna, I am going to talk a little about the games last night as well. So obviously today you got the we got the Cubs at Nationals at five thirty, five thirty eight actually. You have Lester versus Gio Gonzalez, and then at nine oh eight we have Diamondbacks Dodgers Robbie Ray and Rich Hill. So two great game twos. Obviously Cubs up one game to nothing, and as is the Dodgers last night. Last night obviously. So you had the Cubs and the Nationals, which was an interesting game. You had the Nationals. Nationals win three to nothing, but it was a game when uh, it was a game with Strasburg had a no hitter going in the sixth inning. He pitched a great game. He ended up seven innings. He gave up two unearned runs, three hits, ten strikeouts. Pitched a great game. Obviously Rizzo had the big hit, and uh, Chris Bryant obviously and Rizzo had the hit, big hits off of him, the RBI hits, but. Uh, Listen, it was a tough game. Obviously, Hendricks pitched a gem, seven innings, two hits, three walks, six strikeouts. The Cubs, the Nationals just couldn't get any offense going. Obviously, uh, two hits. I mean, the only two hits were Harper and Michael Taylor, so they really didn't do much offensively against Hendricks. We'll see if they can bounce back. They they definitely need a big game today in game two as, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to lose the first two at home. You look at the American League, the Yankees and Red Sox both down 2 nothing, but they're coming home now. The Nationals are at home, and they lost it. They're the only team that lost at home so far. So they, they definitely want to get that. Uh, they definitely want to get this game. You know, you can't fall, You can't lose the first two at home. I mean, you're putting yourself – you lose two games anywhere, you're putting yourself in a big hole. But if you lose two games at home, the first two games, you're really putting yourself in a big hole. Tough to, it's tough to win three games in a row regardless, especially when you're looking when you go on the road here, you know, down 2-0 if, if that's the case. But Gio Gonzalez, he's been really good all year. Obviously, he had a rough outing in game one. I mean, in, uh, in his last start of the season, he got roughed up against Pittsburgh. But he's, he's really been pretty solid for most of the year. So you would hope, well, they would hope that he's going to really uh, respond and they need offense. You're not going to win any games if you can't score any runs. So we'll see what happens there. The Dodgers and Diamondbacks last night. Dodgers nine to five. Kershaw gave up four solo homers, but he won. I think they left them in too long. But then again, he only threw 100 pitches. So you know, kick Clayton Kershaw. You don't really want to take him out of the game. He had the big lead, so you know he was working with a big lead. But 6.1 innings, five hits, four of them homers, four solo homers, three walks, seven strikeouts. But after that, the bullpen came and shut it down. Tylen Walker gave up four runs in the first inning, and then Jack Godley gave up two, three runs in the second. In, in you know, when he came in for the next few innings, that he was in the game. But really, it was four nothing after the first, it was seven nothing after the fourth inning. So the game was pretty much over there, nine to five. Justin Turner hit the big three-run homer in the first inning. He ends up with five RBIs. What a hitter this guy's become! Three for four, five RBIs. Corey Seager, two, two for four with two RBIs. Puig, two for five, two RBIs. 
as they uh, really did a great job. Obviously, the four home runs, A.J. Pollock, J.D. Martinez, who just continues there. I mean, what, what this guy has done for the Diamondbacks, J.D. Martinez, since the trade has just been unbelievable. I mean, you're talking about a guy with 45-104, but he hit like 29 or 29 of those homies in the last month and a half for Arizona or something. So just an unbelievable pickup. That's going to be interesting to see if they keep him or where he goes and how much money he gets because you figure he's going to get paid big. And here's the guy the Mets targeted a couple of times when he was a free agent and when he was on the Tigers, I mean, for a trade, and they never got him. You know, there was a lot of talks of trading uh, – at one point, trade Zach Wheeler for him, and people were like, no way. I bet you have people wish they trade Zach Wheeler. But then I heard Detroit asked him for Conforto at one point, so the Mets weren't going to get Conforto up for him, obviously. But it'll be an interesting day. Obviously, tomorrow the Yankees, can, will the Yankees bounce back in game three? I mean, it's a t- like we said, it was a tough loss, definitely a tough loss to overcome. I don't see how the – I don't see them winning the series now, down 2-0. I mean – against a team like this who has lost four games in the last month and a half. You can ask them to lose three in a row, probably highly unlikely. But, listen, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. You take one game at a time. And, uh, you know, they start tomorrow with Tanaka versus Carrasco. Tanaka's been really good at home. That's why the Yankees pushed him to game three because he's been great at home. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Severino is lined up to pitch game four. You would think he's going to bounce back. So if the Yankees could take game three and they got Severino going game four, you never know what could happen. The question becomes, do the Indians throw Bauer on three days rest in game four, or do they save him for game five and then have Kluber in the bullpen for game five if needed? I would think they're going to possibly pitch Bauer. But then again, I don't know, because if they have, even if they lose game three, they still have a two-game-one lead, so they may, especially how good Bauer pitched game one, they may go to Tomlin or somebody in game four and hope to win it there. If not, they'll have they could potentially have a, a Bauer, Kluber, Miller, and Allen all available for a game five if needed. So Cleveland's in good shape either way. But let's see if the Yankees could get one. Obviously the Yankees felt they should have won last night. They gave that game away. Come back. It was a bad call. No challenge from Girardi as we spoke about. But the Yankees had an eight three lead. They definitely did enough to, to win that game. Obviously they just couldn't hold the lead and then Tough break, the grand slam, the Bruce Homer, and then 13 innings, walk off Jan Gomes. So that's how that all worked out. And we, you know, we spoke about it earlier. Obviously, we had some unhappy Yankee calls earlier. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. We're going to hit the phone lines. Let's see who we got on the line here. Hello, you're on the Mojo Sports Show. Hi, uh, how are you? How's it going? Good, good. Well, you know, I was just on your radio show, and I heard you talk about the Yankees. Yes. What do you think about last night's game? Uh, well, you know, you know, they took pretty bad. And, and uh, you know, I, I remember the good old days with the Yankees when they had Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Jason Giambi. I mean, I remember when I met Derek Jeter and then, after the game, and he gave me a hand job, and he was a real good sport about. It. All right, then you got him. Then you got a moron who calls and, and ruins the whole thing, you know. So that's probably the moron that called last week from the other phone. But whatever, we'll just let it. Uh, we'll just we'll just let that one slide off off the shoulders. But yeah, I thought the guy was actually calling to talk baseball for a second. But you know, you always have a moron in the crowd. So 
What are you going to do? But back to baseball. So game four, uh, game three for the Astros, Red Sox, Brad Peacock, and Doug Fister. You know, so that's another another wild game. Obviously, a big game for the Red Sox. Astros offense have been unreal. Altuve and Correa just been unreal. Bregman, then, well, obviously, Houston's just stacked. I mean, you look at Houston's roster. And Verlander, adding Verlander was so big for that team, get that veteran pitcher. And you heard even when Bernie, Williams, Bernie Nichols was on before, and we were talking hockey about it, and he was just talking how that veteran, getting that veteran on the team with a young team is so big. They have the Astros. They go at Justin Verlander, and, you know, he, the guy hasn't lost. They haven't lost a game he's pitched since he came. And, you know, he, he's just been a great, great addition to that team. But you look at, I mean, between Springer, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, and right there you have four young studs. Then you have the veterans. Like, again, we just talked about the, having that veteran teams around those young players. You have Gaddis. You have Beltran. Just guys, even the guys that's not playing every day, you just add these McCann. You add these veterans to these young players. And it just brings so much to the table, and you know, it, 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 it's 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 so uh, it it really you know it really uh it really it helps you. Out. Listen, you, you need those young players. Obviously, those young players are your future, your core, your team. But you need those veteran guys to keep it all together. When you get those veteran guys to keep it all together, that's when. Those 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 are the teams that win. That's how you win. That's how you win games. And, you know, those, those are the teams. Those are the guys that take you to the next level. You know, you need guys like that because these young kids, they're so young. Like the Yankees, Yankees have veterans in the clubhouse, too. They got a young team. But they got the Matt Hollies. They got some of these young guys, you know, these young guys that just help you in the clubhouse. So, I mean, these old guys that help these younger guys in the clubhouse because these young guys – Listen, they don't know what's good for them, what's bad for them. They're just rolling out there playing. And you have you need that. You need those loose young players. But it's good when you have those veteran guys that can show them the right way, calm them down when they need to get calmed down. Guys like Matt Holliday. Even a guy like Solid Castro, who's not a veteran by age, but he's been around the league for a while because he came up early. These are good guys to have in your, in your clubhouse. C.C. Sabathia for the Yankees, another great veteran guy to have in the clubhouse. So these are guys, and this is, that's part of the reason the Yankees are in the playoffs because when they hit a little slump, towards the end of the season, and they didn't, They needed that veteran to go there, and they had that veteran. They had veterans that could tell these guys, listen, calm down. This is what we got. We got good young, you know, we got good young players. We got, you know, we got a good team. We got veteran leadership. Let's just work as a team and, and stay together and calm them down. And, and, and sure enough, they turned it around, and they were able to put together a good run. So it's a, we're going to hit the phone lines again. I think I know who this is. It's my man, Joe. Hey, what's going on, brother? What's going on, my man? How are you? Uh, right, same old, same old. What the hell? What was that last call all about? <laughs> I guess, like I said, there's always one idiot in the crowd, right? I mean, that's, you know, spo- <laughs> that tries to spoil a good show, you know? There's always that one. So we first called, when we first started talking, I got skeptical because I had a call a few weeks ago, a moron that called and started saying crazy stuff. But, you know, then he started talking about, you know, you know, he sounded like he was from the South, which that's where the call came from last time. But he sounded like an older guy. He started talking about Babe Ruth. I was like, oh, maybe. But then when he said Jason Giambi with Babe Ruth, I was like, this is going the bad way. 
I know what he said, Derek Jeter. I thought it was leading to something bad to come out of his mouth at that point, and it did. But, you know, listen, if you're sitting around, if you're sitting around searching for a podcast show to just to call in and say something like that, you really are a loser. I hate to say it, but you're you got to have no life to do something like that. I mean, I totally agree. You know? So I, I thought I'd call in just to break things up a little. Uh, what if it took Giants with you? New York Giants. Yes. Not to get away from baseball, but what the hell is going on with them so far this year? Brutal. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. I mean, we would have never expected 0-4. I mean, you know, that's just, you know, you know unbelievable I, how things are just unraveled there. You know, I thought the Jets would be 0-4 and the Giants would be 2-2 two and two at this point, or 3-1. and one. Yeah, you would never uh, I mean, think so. I'm going to be honest with you. At this point, they can't lose enough of me, even though I'm a Giants fan, and I'm almost regretting getting the tattoo of them <laughs> on my leg. But, well, like, my know, the tattoo. Is, like my Met tattoo. Yeah, right? you know, <laughs> Jared, you know, Reese, Reese, I won't even go anywhere with that one. Reese hasn't had a good draft in ages, really. I mean, last year, I don't know, was I the only Giants fan who was upset with him picking up uh, – Eli Apple with the 10th pick of the draft when they were hurting on the offensive line. And Tunzel and, and they have the there. Yep. We had this conversation offline. Laramie yeah. Tunzel was still there, the 10th pick. He was a no-brainer. And for them to go for Eli Apple, who they could have gotten the second or maybe third round, not getting it. Just not getting it. Yeah, I mean, it. he probably would have went later in the first round, Apple, to somebody. But you can't pass on a potential franchise left tackle Thank at that you. point. I don't care that yep. I don't care that a video surfaced to him smoking out of a bong four years earlier when he was a freshman in college. <laughs> you can't pass it. You can't pass on a talent like that. And Miami was lucky; he fell right into their lap, and they grabbed him. You know. Yeah. Yep. But totally that's the giant problem. Obviously, to go to your point is their offensive line is a big issue. You know they haven't they haven't been able to establish any ground game this year. Manning getting hit more than usual or pressured a lot more than he's ever seen. And, you know, as he gets older, 36 years, 37 years old now, you don't want to see him getting hit like this. You know, that's exactly. not, you know, he's been durable his whole career. But, I mean, at this age, that's not going to last if he keeps getting hit, wouldn't you yep. say? Yep, totally agree. I mean, what it is, it's like, I mean, even on the conference last year, you could see the offensive line was struggling. You have an aging quarterback, 15th year in the league, he, he, he's not as mobile as he, he never really was mobile per se, but he always was able to slide, you know, in the pocket and move to get the ball away. But uh, I mean, this guy, if he's your franchise quarterback, you've won two Super Bowls with him. You got to keep him upright. If you can't yeah. keep him upright, he can't do anything, you know. And the giant teams that won Super Bowls were always those ground and pound teams, right? Yeah. Three yards in a, in a cloud of dust. The Parcell teams and the Coughlin teams, right? They punched you in the face with the running game. And they don't have that the line or the running back now to do it. Nope. No, they don't. And, and, and then you have, and then the, you have the wide receiver becoming a mental head case for you, too, now, Beckham, right? So I know. I know. Odell Beckham. And it's, it's a shame because he's uber talented. I love the way he catches the ball with his hands out in front of his body. Not many guys do that. And, and he's got the speed and, you know, he's got, 
he's just an amazing. He's one of the top three wide receivers in the game. But yeah, his average oh, absolutely yeah, sucks. I mean that whole that whole thing last year with the uh, the kicking with the uh, kicking net. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I mean he then punches, the he punches it one week, and then he then he uh, then he uh, gets down to one. He proposes to it like three weeks later. I'm like, that's scary. Yeah, what are you doing? That's a cry out for help. <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? That's a cry out. <laughs> and then he goes on the boat, that whole boating playoffs, right? And then this year, yep. he gets hurt. He gets hurt, he comes back. Then the day when that whole thing's going on with the protest, and he catches the touchdown, he does, he pees like a dog. I mean, I, I, start, I don't yeah. understand what the hell. They don't have that guy anymore that could grab him by the chest and, and by his jersey and, 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 and try to – Teach them the right. They don't have that guy. They, they used to have those guys on well, defense that could do that. You know, Manning's not that type of guy, you know. No. You know what? I thought that's what they brought Brandon Marshall in for. Not just to be like a compliment to But you think this guy's, you know, he's a potential Hall of Famer. Marshall should get it. And I think one of the things they brought him in was like to – you know, grab him by the uh, by the collar and say, "Hey, calm down." But he's done nothing so far, either on the field yeah. or off the field to help the Giants. I think it's a waste of money. And that money, that and I'd rather, money maybe I'd they rather, they could have put towards offensive line. You know. Thank you. Put it towards the offensive line, and you know what? Have Sterling Sterling Shepard as your number two guy. You got to do him as your number two receiver. He's young. He's got great hands. Runs great routes. He's a smart kid. Yeah, it's not wrong with that. Unlike you could have drafted know, a young receiver. Just... You could have drafted a receiver or signed another receiver to be your number three. And I mean, they drafted yep. the tight end Ingram, who looks good, who's more like a receiver than a tight end anyway, right? So yeah, but I again, I wouldn't have taken him with a first round pick. I would have gone offensive line. I mean, he does have nice hands. Absolutely, he runs nice routes, but he can't block a lick. So he can't even help you in the running game because he can't yeah. block. And again, it goes to your point. You know, it wasn't a need. He's a good player, but it wasn't a need, right? Like it wasn't a top it wasn't need. A need. The team. You know, and that's you know part of yeah. And their defense hasn't been as, as good as advertised this year either. That you know Pierre Paul and Vernon has, haven't been that great early. They both banged up too, but they haven't been great. The corners, obviously, Apple took a little step back so far this year. They thought he was going to be a little better this year. And Jenkins has been hurt, right? So, you know, they took on a little hit to their defense this year. And I think as much as I hate to admit this, I think PDV hit it right on the head. Because they can't put together a good game, uh, you know, the two sides of the ball. When the defense plays well, the offense is non-existent and vice versa. I'm really And when you're, great, when you're giving credit to PDV, that's something really I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I. You know what I noticed this morning. Big play <laughs> I noticed it was big for them was when they played Philly and they came. They were down fourteen, and then they came back and went up twenty-one fourteen, and then they they came right down the field and scored on that defense, Philly, to tie the game. Yeah. I thought that was the chance for that yeah. giant defense to make a stand right there, you know, and get them Thank a big you. win, and they and they didn't do it that day. You know, I thought that and was they big. couldn't do it against Tampa. They couldn't do it against Tampa, Tampa as well. Too. You know it's going to be. You know it's going to be a bad year for the Giants when Nick Folk hits a thirty-four yarder to beat you and he can't hit anything else. 
He couldn't hit the side of the chicken right now. Why? I mean, he they should have beat New England the other night. You know what? It's funny. You know, I was talking to my wife who knows absolutely nothing about football, but I had to get it off my chest. I'm like, folk was like a, a folk hero with, with the Jets. He had seven yeah, really he good, good seasons with the Jets. He was really he was good. good. I, I don't know what's happened to him. You I know, think he did me in once in fantasy with like five field goals. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did. I think I yeah, remember him killing me in fantasy one week. Well, you know what? It's kind of like a, a professional golfer when they get the, the driver yips. Uh, a yeah. guy who won the British Open, great, great player, um, Ian Baker Finch, was in the top ten of the world, wins the British Open, and after that he can't hit a freaking fairway to save his life. And that's kind of like what's happening with Nick Folk. He's got just the shanks. He's got the, the field goal shanks going for him. It's a shame. Yeah, like, Seems like a nice guy. Normally that's for sure a big guy, man, too. You're a big golf fan. Like, how does even, like, Tiger Woods just lose it like that? Like, you know, the guy who was, like, the best to... player in the world, right? And then gets hurt. I know he got hurt. He had some off, no issues with his wife. And, like, is that it? Like, what, what? how do you just lose that like that from that great to not being much anymore? Like, completely think, losing it. I think with Tiger, it's, it's a multifaceted thing going on. One, it's physical. The guy's had eight surgeries, right? Between his knees and his back, he's had eight surgeries. That hurts. Two, his dad dying. His dad was, you know, he was in, he was in the Army. Uh, I think he was in the Rangers, or he was uh, a Green Beret. Very disciplined, and his dad kept him in line. If you notice, after his dad died, his life went to pot, right? The whole thing with the women came out. Uh, he wanted to train to become a SEAL, a Navy SEAL, and he busted his knee up. And you know what the last thing is, I think? the uh, You really have to have the passion to win. I mean, you have to have that drive. Burnt out. I really think he's just burnt out. Golf's been his life since he's four years old. You know, and he's 41 now. Yeah. Or 40. And things you know, don't change just... him so easy, right? Winning changed him so easy in the beginning. You know, and, and I think instead of, like, looking at how fast and how hard he fell, fell I mean, at one time he was number one in the world in 2013. I think now he's ranked 1,176. That's crazy. <laughs> That's, That's pretty crazy, crazy, right? I know. I know. But, you know, I think what we should think about, instead of just thinking about how fast he's fallen, is how dominant he was. I mean, we were lucky. If you're a golf fan, yeah. you saw Michael Jordan playing golf for 10 years. He was number one in the world for 693 weeks. That is, like, crazy. crazy. That's That's 10 plus years. That's insane. 10 plus years he's ranked in the world. And that's that's insane. That's insane. And I think that's why it's so surprising to see such a big fall because he was on that Mount Everest of sports, you know? Like, he was so dominant in his sport. Like, to see him, like you just said, like a thousand something ranked now, that's just crazy. But to be in front of the number one ranked alpha for all those years, that is just wrong. For all those days, that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it is. Easily. And it's funny because it happens a lot to a lot of these guys. I mean, Curtis Strange in the the late 80s won the U.S. Open back to back years, won like eight tournaments over those two years, was ranked as the first in the world, and just. The drive to be the best in the world, you know, some guys, 
It just it's in them. Like Nicholas, Jack Nicholas, I think is amazing for the fact that he kept it in perspective. Golf wasn't the most important thing to him. His family was the most important thing to him. Golf was merely a game. And I think because he kept it in that perspective, he was great for as long as he was, almost 30 full years, right, between major championship wins. These other guys, like the Curtis Stranges, the, the, the Tiger Woods, these guys who hit number one for a short period of time and then implode, I think it's because golf is so important to them and it's so encapsulated, you know, it takes up their whole life that once you get to the mountaintop, what do you do? When you get to the top, yeah. you're number one in the world. Where do you go from there? You know, Tiger wanted to be number one in the world forever and break Jack Nicholas's 18 major championship. So he had really lofty goals. These other guys, they make number one. What do you do from there? Like the Luke yeah, Donald. Yeah, you got to want to have, you got to want to have, you got to want to be the best forever. You, I mean, that's... Exactly. And just, I think that mindset is far and few between. I mean, like, Tiger Woods had the same mindset as a Michael Jordan did, as, as, as a Wayne Gretzky did, right? I mean, he is the same as those two guys, right? And in football, I yeah. guess it would be Tom Brady. These guys who just get it, they know they have the ability, and they will do, they will do everything in their power to, to be at the top. You know, and, and you've got to give Brady a lot of credit because he gets, you know, he's a good father, he's a good husband, you know, He's a good community guy, and he's also probably the greatest quarterback ever. You know, it's these these once in a once in a generational guys are amazing. It's, it's it really is. Imagine Brady was his sixth round pick, <laughs> the hundred ninety ninth pick in the draft. Right, insane. Wow, that is insane. That's insane. Five Super Bowl wins, seven appearances. I mean. The yards, the touchdowns, you know. That's why it goes to show you, no matter where you pick, if you come out, if you got stability and you come out and work hard, right, anything's possible. Exactly. All you got to do is get your foot in the door. Once you get your foot in the door, hard work, yeah. And then you make the most of your opportunities. Well, it's funny. It's like what happens, right? Bledsoe gets hurt, right, in that game against the Jets, gets a pop in the chest. Yeah. Brady comes in, and <laughs> the rest is history. Now Brady's still and playing like, football, and Drew Bledsoe. And Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, and Drew Bledsoe's uh, making wine in Washington State. <laughs> yeah, and listen, and Bledsoe had a great career. Bledsoe was a good, a really good he did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not a Hall of Fame. He'd be the Hall of Very Good, I think. You know. Yeah, he's like right below he's that. The, yeah. Yep. You know, he won a Super Bowl ring that year with the Patriots. He took a, a Patriots team under Parcells to the Super Bowl a few years earlier. So, yeah, I mean, had some good seasons with Dallas and the Bills. So, yeah, no, he had a very good career. Yeah. But, yeah, but that's the difference between, that's the difference between very good and great. And I think we yeah. I think we banned and then about And you get the opportunity, too. and all of a sudden, you know, a guy like Brady takes advantage of, you know, that's just – that's your typical case of taking advantage of your opportunities right there. Right? Absolutely. You got that opportunity. Absolutely. You became the Big, best quarterback, arguably the best quarterback of all time. Right? Bingo. 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 He just he needed the opportunity. It could have been another year or two before Brady got an opportunity, right? I mean, who knows? Agreed. You know? Or you know, could have been, yeah, been Aaron Rodgers. Right? Yeah, he, he could have been Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah. Rodgers had to wait three years before he got his opportunity. And how often do you right, get like, a guy like right? A guy like Rogers replacing Favre and becoming just you know a Hall of Famer himself, you know, just about you know, like what, how often do you see you go from one Hall of Famer to a next? Like that's just luck, right? I mean, that's not much more so you can say yeah. about that. It worked out perfectly for the right. guy. Well, you, you think the Cleveland Browns would love to have that <laughs> happen to them, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Browns have had how many quarterbacks over the last since 1999 when they. Uh, Became a franchise again. They've been to like almost thirty yeah. plus quarterbacks. Yeah, you see some of these teams they've gone through so many quarterbacks since then, and they can't still can't find the right quarterback. That's yeah. why you get that franchise. Yeah, you look it. at Miami, look at the Dolphins with Marino. Obviously, we've talked about it. He never got the Super Bowl, but where have they been since he left? They haven't been. They've gone through like something like twenty something quarterbacks since he left. They can't. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, if you're a Dolphin fan, you've been you were spoiled in the '70s and '80s because you had Bob Greasy, right? Then you had Dan. Well, you had a couple of years where you had like, you know, David Woodley or whoever, and yeah, Don Strzok. Uh, Don yeah, Strzok. <laughs> yeah, I get that. But then you had Marino. So you guys. And then you had another thing, right? You guys had a and then you had the other thing. Woodley got hurt, and that's when Marino got his opportunity against the Raiders. He came in, and then he never looked back after that game, right? After either. Yeah. And then the next he was, year, he set all he those records the next year. Yep. An incredible I quarterback. A good, I mean, I've seen one of those uh, football lights on NFL Network with Marino. It was pretty cool. The, you know, the football lights, they yeah. do this documentary. It was really Mar- cool. Marino's, I think Marino's one of the few guys that you can't, you can't, you, you can't look at his career and judge it on Super Bowl wins. I think he was a transcendent quarterback. I think he was the quarterback that made the passing game what it is today, being totally yeah. honest. He did things that no quarterback did before him. The only guy I could think of close, not even really close, but Dan Fouts. Fouts would throw yeah. 4,000 yards From in that 1978. Time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, but, I mean, Marino, forget it. He brought the they didn't have they didn't run offenses ball. like they're running today with four, four no, receiver no. sets and stuff. He was the I man. Remember I, mean, that, he I remember the seeing that. I remember seeing in that documentary. I remember seeing that. You know, interviews with like Clayton and Dupa, and Clayton was saying when Marino first came into that training camp the first year, he was like this young cocky kid, and then they like he's swinging a ball around, and they were like, "Holy cow!" Like this. How do we get this guy? You know, they, they could tell right away. They're like, how do we even get this guy, you know, where we got him? And uh, I seen the thing when Shula, Miami was on the clock and Shula called the coach of Pittsburgh, and he was like, why is he still out there? And the guy in Pittsburgh said to him, I don't know, but you better take him right now. And then the Miami took him, which was pretty interesting. Well, well the whispers. On the Mojo Sports Show, uh, coming up on 1 o'clock, we're going to go a little past 1 o'clock, so hang in there, all you listeners out there, talking with Joe from Toronto, my man, we're talking some football. And, uh, yeah, so that was interesting. That was just interesting to see how that all happened, that, uh, yeah. you know, how, you know, with Marino, how he ended up falling for them and then, you know, great career. But just to the point we were talking, like, guys got to take advantage of those opportunities and, you know, they become, you know, you make the most of the opportunities and then you can take over and be a great player, you know. And obviously you need talent, but you also got to have the work ethic and the mindset for it as well, you know. 
Yeah. I don't know if you heard of my interview before with Bernie Nichols. I don't know if you were listening. The hockey player, yeah, I listened, former hockey player. I heard the last half. And he was talking about you know, Connor McDavid. And, you know, Connor McDavid, you know, he's the spokesperson for CIBC, Connor McDavid. For CIBC, now. yes. Yeah. Which we have in but government. How, how is that? I mean, you got the, face, the new face of the NHL is, is, uh, is uh, you know, the new the face, face of the, the NHL is spokesperson well. for CIBC, yeah. The face of the bank. Yeah. I think he's going to be at the uh, Toronto I mean, Miracle Day this year. I hope so, because I'll definitely go down to the trading floor if that happens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Because yeah, talking it about that, uh, you know, the game that day or not, you know, that's what it yeah, probably depend exactly. on. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, kid could play, boy. Oh, yeah, he's so, amazing because he's so good. He's he reminds me of Gretzky in the way that he's so good when he doesn't have the puck. He just has a feel for where to be. He's always in the right place at the right time, and that's something you can't coach up. You, you either have it or you don't. Yeah. No, you, know? you can't. You can't teach that type of ability. You just can't. You know. So. But. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be cool if you get to meet him. Though. Maybe you get an autographed puck or something from. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We shall see. So you know, speaking <laughs> about taking advantage of the opportunity, because uh, now, like, who's the really good player in golf right now? Jordan Spieth. So Spieth. Yes. Leaves school, doesn't have a PGA Tour card, right? He gets six sponsor exemptions into uh, tournaments. What does he do? He finishes third in his first tournament. Wins X amount of dollars. Wow. By, by his fifth tournament, he actually wins the tournament, gets his card, and also gets to play in the British Open and gets to play in the Ryder Cup. All this with no card. He had no card. He, had, he didn't have playing privilege on any tour. That's Web.com. That's the European tour. That's the PGA tour. Six exemptions. He made it worth his while. He won probably two-plus million dollars, including a tournament. And now look at him. Eleven wins later, the youngest person to win 11 tournaments and three majors in the PGA. Faster than Tiger Woods. That's amazing. Things, you know, yeah. And this is a kid who had no status on any tour. Twenty-year-old kid, six feet tall, a buck thirty-five, soaking wet, and he just took advantage. He works so hard, and he gets it. It's funny the guys that usually—I mean—they seem to get it in life, you know. And he's a good kid. He's gonna be a great spokesman for the PGA Tour because he's well liked, he's respectful, and uh, he kind of gets, you know, where he sits. You know, he knows he's just a golfer. You know, he doesn't consider himself any any greater than anyone else. He's just a guy playing golf, right? And he kind of understands that. I mean, with Tiger Woods, unfortunately, is because he was, like, I think the first rock star on the PGA Tour. I mean, because of the media, the 24-7 media and the social media. I mean, he was on everyone's radar 24-7, right? 12 months a year. Yeah, yeah. So... And unfortunately for him, he had to kind of like separate himself from the rest of the world. And I think that's why, I think that really killed his his growth as a person. Yeah. And led to, 
and led to some of the distractions he had in life. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yes. I mean, when you yeah. you cheat on your wife with one per with one woman, that's one thing. When you cheat on your wife, who's the mother of two children with ten plus women, that yeah, that, that was <laughs> that that's been. <laughs> yeah. You know that's 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 yeah that's now now you're you're new you're new ground. <laughs> yeah. Now you got Your problems. Is, yeah, exactly, exactly, and and you know that's when you know, woo, you know the wheels are spinning off. He's 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 he's. That's uh, when you got to say to yourself, oil. I probably. That's when you got to say to yourself, I probably should have never got married. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, or I got married for all the wrong reasons. Right? Yeah, I got married because it was expected of me. Yeah, I really think I this is my personal opinion guy. that he got a clean cut, all American yeah, guy. I, I think he got married for his dad. I think he wanted his dad to see that he was settling down. You know, because I, you know, this isn't something that just crops up overnight. You know, I get married all yeah, yeah. you know, all dancing. It's something he's they they say he's been doing probably since he's in Stanford as an eighteen nineteen year old. Uh, but I think he did this for his dad. He got married because of his dad. He wanted to show his dad he could, he could probably settle down. He could have kids. You know, he could become grounded. And, you know, you don't have to worry about me, Dad. But uh, I think really that's why he did the whole marriage thing, if you ask me. And then, uh, like I said, once his dad passed away, I mean, he just, woof. The, wheel, the wheels came off at that point. Oh, man. Proverbially and, and literally. As he took his SUV and he, he smashed it into <laughs> oh my God. a fire hydrant on Thanksgiving night, one, 2009. It was just on Thanksgiving. It was just one thing after the next. Thanksgiving night. <laughs> How apropos. <laughs> when you think it can't get worse, he goes crashing his car into a fire hydrant. I mean, How ironic. All, all filled out. And it was all, and it was all filled out on top of it. The day, yeah, the day, and I, she went after him with the five line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you blame her? At that wow. <laughs> no, I don't. But you know, I would have loved him to fly in the wall for that scene. That must have been hysterical. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I hate to say it, but that must have been fun. Imagine what's going on in the house before they even got outside. Oh my god. Oh Jesus! Yeah, that must have boiled over into something in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. All righty, my friend. All right, well, Joe, thanks for calling in. As always, man, great job. Always talk great to talking to you. Always great talking. Yeah, to you, I man. same here, man. Take care. I'll I listen to you next week. I appreciate weekend. the call. Thank you. Yeah, call Maybe in again next week. All right, buddy. Call, call in with Pete on the line. Yeah, so yeah. I'll be the call with Pete. That'll be probably going be great. It's you had him arguing with the Buffalo Bills fan before. It was great. <laughs> I didn't hear they were that. Going at it. It just they were going at it because I, it was I, hysterical. I, I've listened to Magic Mike on a few occasions. I know how passionate he's about his Buffalo teams. Oh, they were but, going uh, at you know, it today. Collinsworth said it very good, and I usually don't quote these guys, but he's like, the first month of the football season, I, I don't believe. He goes, because yeah. guys – they take, like, five snaps in the preseason. He goes, they barely play. OTAs and, like, training camp is bull dink. 
It's really more for the kids who are trying to make the team. He goes, so it takes the guys about a month to get in sync. He goes, so the month, first month I really don't pay attention to because the play after that is what's important. And he's kind of right. Yeah. He's kind of right because, you, you know, you had these teams like last year, you know, you had teams like Philadelphia that was 3-0 and and 3-1 and and, and Wentz looked awesome. And then, you know, by the end of the year, Wentz looked like a rookie again, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah. first month that uh, – Minnesota was five and zero the first month, right? And after that, they struggled to to finish eight and eight. So yeah, they, the first month, I, yeah, really they, they crumbled down the stretch. And now, in this and it's not, it's not, it's Listen, when he goes, when he goes, he expected to beat the Falcons last week, and then when he says they beat a great Jets team the first week, that was the end for me. A great Jets team. I had <laughs> ended, uh, just, uh, I was like, that's what you. When you call the 2017 Jets a great team, that's when you lose all accountability for yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's when it's time to end the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you lose all credibility when you call the Jets we great. We do love Magic Mike's passion, though, on the show. He definitely has passion. We love yeah, that. It's all good. All right, Joe. Thank you. And so right, buddy. next week. So if you get a chance. You get it. All right. All right, man. Thank you, bud. Joe from Toronto calling in, doing a great job, talking some football, some golf, get some insight on golf. I'm a good golf, a knowledgeable golf fan. We usually don't talk golf, but it's always good to get good insight of all sports, especially when somebody knowledgeable when the sport comes on. So great job by Joe. Thank you for calling. I want to thank Bernie Nichols, of course, again, for calling in today, doing NHL season preview. Great job, Bernie, as always. Always great to have you on the show. Always a pleasure. Mr. Berger for joining us. Lenny for joining us as well, doing hockey. As always, we'll have Mr. Berger and Gene Cherry on next week as well. So, great job there. Thank you, PDV, for doing football, as always. We did our week five picks today. Magic Mike for calling in and stirring a, a stirring debate today. So, that was fun. And, uh, obviously, Padman's calling in, talking baseball. Christine talking baseball. We did a lot of playoff baseball today as well. So, it's a great show. We squeezed a lot in today. We went a little over three hours. So, I want to thank everybody for calling in and listening. I cannot do it without you, as I always say. And uh, we'll be back next week at 10 o'clock again. For, we'll be updating the playoffs. We're doing week six NFL picks. We'll be talking hockey. We'll be getting ready for the basketball season. A lot's going on college football. So tune in next week. Until then, enjoy your week and your weekend. <laughs>